Stinger. Let's go. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, yes, this that stinger was designed, uh, made up by Chris, my co-host. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the Drunk Tank. I didn't know what to call it, so we just called it as this thing on. Uh, here's how this is gonna work. I am Dox Ryan, the man up in the corner. That's Chris C90. Hello. So the Drunk Tank is a podcast brainchild of that crazy Scotsman over there. We're gonna talk about some topics. We're gonna have a couple rambles. Might have some culture shock moments. We're going to talk about what we're drinking during the podcast. And down below on the bar there, you'll see what we're discussing. Chris will have a ramble. We've got audio transitions for those all. This is a audience participation podcast. If you do put something in the chat, we will address it. We're going to go for about two to two and a half hours. Feel free to make comments. We will get to them we'll, uh, as we go on. Um, there may be topics you are uncomfortable with. Maybe not this episode, maybe this episode. At any point, if you're feeling sensitive or triggered or in any way, shape, or form uncomfortable, by all means, means? By all means, I haven't even started drinking yet. <laughs> mute the mute the stream until you see the, the change in the in the now discussing, and that will let you know that we have moved off that topic. Um you can catch it on my channel, and then when once Chris gets his gear up and running, it will be simulcast on his channel, so you can get his perspective as well. So first things first, we'll make a quick introduction, as I did all the like jumbly setup in the row. So Chris, my man, introduce yourself. Tell the lovely people what's going on. Well, there's not much to really tell. I am Chris. I am from Scotland. So if you can't understand me it's not because of your hearing it is just me and my accent and plus adding in alcohol it's going to make things a lot more worse to kind of understand but we'll try and get you through it um yeah we're literally as doc said this is just a kind of bullshittery of random topics that we've kind of came across in the last week that we went to touch on get opinions on so as as Doc's mentioned, if you've got an opinion on the matter, chime in. Let us know how you think about it. And keep it respectful, though, or we'll ban your ass. Yeah, Tim does have a hammer, so don't piss us off. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going, Chris. You're doing great. No, I, I think that was everything that I was going to say. Is it? So what part of Scotland are you from for those, you know, uneducated fools? Or do you not want to say? Well, no, I'll say. Uh, I am from the glorious city of Glasgow. Glasgow! Or, right. or Glasgow, if you're from here. But we'll try and keep the accent as thin as possible. But again, no promises because it can come on thick once I start getting into a passionate rant, which we will be going into. 
Don't worry, I'm fluent in drunkies. I grew up in bars. Scottish ain't much different. <laughs> well, it's a good it's a good trait to have. Good trait to have. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, as you guys know, if you've been here at the channel, I am Dox Ryan, the eponymous weirdo. And this is our bar for the drunk tank. Chris is a member of my RPG crew. He's a good friend of mine, and he's the one who proposed this podcast idea. And I was like, dope, I've done podcasts in the past. I'm all down for doing another one. So that's how this brain hatchery happened. Uh, you all know my shit. I do a lot of different stuff on this channel. Chris will do a bunch of stuff on his channel once we get him up and running. So first things first, every podcast we start from here on out. This is going to air every Monday. And then some Sundays to accommodate when we start taking on guests. So first things first, opening rounds. What are you drinking, buddy? I am currently drinking a lovely bottle of Stone's Original Green Ginger Wine. Ooh, I haven't had that. Give me it's the lowdown. What is it? Quite enjoyable. It's basically, it's it's well, it's not a wine to, to to start with. It's like a I don't know if you guys have like pims or anything like that. Yes, we do have pims. Well, it's kite. It's pretty much like that, except for um, it's ginger. So it's green ginger. Um, okay. And it's kind of, um, you could drink it straight, but it does give you a kind of recipe of mix it with lemonade and it has a nice little fruity taste. So it's it's one of those drinks that it can be lethal because it does taste really, really nice. And it is just like drinking juice and you'll just sit and drink it and drink it and then realise you're two bottles down in the middle of a Super Bowl Sunday with wondering where your life has led you to this point. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now I've I've had pims, but it's rare over here. I used to be a bartender, so I'm pretty familiar with it. But when you posted it in the document, even I was like, I have no idea what the hell that is. Yeah, so, it's quite a. I hadn't actually, I didn't actually know about it until about maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. maybe a year and a half. And then it was just a kind of random. I'd got bored of the kind of whiskey. I'd got bored of the vodka. I'd got bored of the beer and cider. And I thought I need something new just to to test out. And that was the winner. Mm-hmm. Nice, so. nice, nice. I, I, I think that's dope. Now, we said this opening round segment is sort of kind of a review preview thing. Well, um, the. So it's like ginger, it's like a ginger wine or like a ginger beer kind of thing you said? It's kind of like, if you mix it with lemonade, it does come out as quite a, a kind of ginger beer. No, I don't think it's as strong as ginger beer because ginger beer I don't quite enjoy. But this just seems to, it's much more of a, it's like a subtle ginger. It doesn't like kind of punch you in the face like a ginger beer, like a Krabby's or something like that would do. Um, it just seems to have a much more mellowed out ginger so you can just enjoy it as a kind of like a a, a a nighttime drink where you just want to chill out mellow watch a movie listen to some music it's not a kind of creep up punch you in the face you're right. going to ruin your life kind of drink so and uh what uh for those that are interested in maybe getting their hands on it what are we looking at price point well here you can get they have like you can get a kind of branded one from different stores which comes round about the five pound mark for a bottle um the stones comes in at about six six pound fifty so it's not a, a massively 
expensive drink. It is it just everything around it just see, sounds chill, enjoyable. So like twelve bucks for us here. Yeah, I, I could not tell you what the 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 conversion rate is. Yeah, but, British um, British pounds like maybe you know dollar and a half, so like eleven twelve bucks for us here in here in the states. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely have to check it out. Like I said, I've I've had Pims before, but I haven't had the ginger wine. Um, me, my opening round because I didn't have a chance to grab beer because I had a crazy day. I am busting out the last of the Vikings blood, baby. Let's go. Right, so for those of you that are unfamiliar with Vikings Blood, it's a mead out of Denmark from a uh, Denmark distillery. It's this mead though is different. Mead tends to be a honey wine or a, a honey drink, but this yeah. mead has been infused with hops and hibiscus flowers, and it's done with the what they call the uh, winter distillation. Basically, it's left outside ice forms they pour off the booze into the bottle rinse repeat until the flavors condense bottle it up nice ceramic bottle look at that i mean that's that's fucking pretty right oh um, yeah like, unfortunately though this is a bit more pricey than your stones man this will run you about 26 bucks <laughs> 26 bucks for uh 750 mils but it's fucking great um got a real intense up real intense flavor forward in the mouth I sort of, you get that honey forward, then you get the spice notes, then the hibiscus and the hops kind of come in on the back end. So if you like a, right. if you like a sweet sipping thing, but not overly sweet, I'd definitely check out the Vikings blood, but like it is, it is going in, no going in. You are going to pay a, you are going to pay a premium for it. Cause it is, it is a little bit on the higher end of, you know, boozing and whatnot. But it's definitely worth it. Uh, I've I've had that bottle for about two months now, and I just drink a, a little eight ounces at a time, and, I, and I'm I'm pretty much good. So the other thing I was going to talk about is my drinking mug, busting <laughs> it out. First episode of the podcast, baby. Custom made flagging for my mean. Got my little uh, Death Star ice cube in there to to mellow out my drink. So I mean, it is what it is, man. So. Uh, I'm definitely gonna have to check out that the that that green wine though. So, but uh, oh yeah, it's definitely worth. But I think again with your Vikings blood, I have kind of I've read up on it and stuff like that. Like it does sound like one of like every review I've heard of it, the the cost to taste matches. It's not one of those ones where you you'll buy it and then go this was not worth it it's it's it matches everything and it just if it's what you're looking for it's perfect yeah and i I've, I've had experience with mead before there's a local there's a local meadery in my state here in the states that does a really phenomenal set of set of meads and it's like 12 bucks a bottle for their stuff but uh i i saw this on a youtube channel called how to drink he was making a Warhammer 40k inspired uh, drink using Vikings blood, and the drink he was making he called it Fenrisian ale, based off of the Space Wolves chapter in Warhammer 40k. So I was like, "Fuck, man! I gotta get me some of that Vikings blood, bro." <laughs> sure enough, it was in my local. It was in my local. Uh, we've got a local delicatessen and and like uh, uh, alcohol importer. They got like everything, except for that. Uh, 
stag's breath that i've been looking for oh yeah we'll but, get um, you that anyway we'll get yeah too. yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll figure that out but they had it on the shelf and my girlfriend was like oh you've been talking about this for a while so and you've had a rough week so just snatched it up didn't even know she was gonna get it for me and brought it home i was like god damn so i mean it's good shit i mean i like it she like she's like that shit's dangerous like your stones man you <laughs> you stand up and you just get smacked in the mouth by it if you're drinking enough uh yeah. there's a meadery out here i need to introduce you to we'll need to ship some to chris as well Woo, tim making plans i like it i like I'll it i'll write up for that i mean i've already i've i mean the box that i'm going to be sending out to you everybody is, is slowly growing now that i'm having to get the dutch stuff put into the box as well now um, <laughs> you're just a lovable so... dude you know that We'll need to get that out quite soon. I mean, obviously, the Dutch stuff will take a wee bit longer because my plan is, is once we can travel, I want to go back across and get the real stuff because, right. as you've seen in your box, it's just, it's it's the generic stuff that people actually don't, like, what you were bringing out, I've seen, I've tried, but it's not, like, straight away, with like, the likes of the strip waffles, um, they also have a... Uh, little cakes are called Gewelde Hoken. Okay, and it's like little pastries with like it's basically like an apple turnover mm-hmm. but they're just so much better like I don't know what they do like they must make it we love for something but they just whatever they do with it works just it, they're, they're nothing like I've had here especially like our pastries do not match up to them and right. there's a lot of stuff like that that are just You'll never get unless you've actually been in Holland. So I'll definitely be getting them out to you. Oh yeah, Chris will make it out to Portland. We'll get his ass out there eventually. But what what Chris is talking about is I I, I featured on another Twitch channel doing a, a Universal Yums box for my daughter and my ex-wife. They do content creation and they asked me to feature on one of their tasting boxes and it was all right. Problem was it, it didn't seem like the it didn't seem like the Netherlands to me, man. It was like I was like, come on, you had one thing that I couldn't pronounce. Yeah. Something yes, I did I, I felt the same thing as like uh, most of the stuff. It was just it was gums that you could pretty much get anywhere. Like we used to have licorice gums. I'm sure you guys have licorice gums. Yeah. Yeah, there I was can't it, stand like, like <laughs> to me, it was like as much as it was fun watching these kind of try the stuff and, uh, and the reactions, especially with the licorice, which docs you need to man up a wee bit there. Um, Kiss my ass. But, <laughs> um, other than that, oh no, it was the sewer. They sewer watermelons that floored you for some reason, bro. Uh, I didn't know it was sour. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. It took me totally off guard. It was like. The the art on the wrapper gave no indication that that was sour. So like what, when I, will, I, what I will say a chat right now is that it literally did say sour on the packet. It was just in Dutch. Yeah, and my Dutch is garbage. <laughs> like I can cuss in thirty seven different languages. I just can't speak or read any of them. So but, yeah, um, that, that was interesting. Yeah. So, um. Uh, so do you want to transition into the, the main two topics? Oh, yeah. We could go uh, right at it. I mean, there's only one major big topic that we have to talk about right now. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll hit that one. We'll hit the big one first. So those of you that are 
are unaware the unofficial national holiday for us we americans happened last night in the shape of super bowl 55 kansas city chiefs kansas city got shout out kansas city good barbecue uh hella good barbecue and uh that's about it <laughs> and then tampa bay the buccaneers tampa bay uh strip clubs and cubanos that's 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 all about i know about tampa bay um <laughs> We're talking American football case when we will run this as a rerun tomorrow. So UK and European audiences and whatnot, we're talking American football uh, and not rugby because Chris will be like, Americans are pussies, which pads. Yeah, well, you wear pads and helmets. like, Dude, that's because we hit harder than you do. Uh, we, we learned that it was not <laughs> true when I showed you how real sport is. Hey, but we'll go on. as real as it gets, bitch. Right, we'll, we'll go on to your hardcore ballet sport. <laughs> so, all right, let, let's talk about it. Super Bowl 55 pitted Tom Brady, the undisputed GOAT best quarterback ever to play the game, against a lot of people who are calling the future or the baby GOAT, uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? That was the big buildup. It was the buildup between the GOAT and the future GOAT. Now, Chris... Seeing as how you're across the pond there, I kind of want to get your your impressions of the Super Bowl and what you thought before we get into like the dirty details of what the game was. Well, obviously here the build up is nothing compared to what it is over you guys. I mean, over here it's a struggle to actually find anybody that's actually watched the game enough to even know the rules, like. Mm. Uh, like I had my friend up last night that had said, oh yeah, I've been a, a fan for years and years and years, and then it turned out that he couldn't even tell me what team he actually supported. Now, I've supported the Patriots since 1998. It's always been my team since uh, our Channel 4 started showing the NFL games. So, why, so that was how Patriots? I got into it. Why the Patriots? It was, I think it was more, it was the first game I'd seen was the Patriots versus the Dolphins in 1998. Okay. And it was just... I, I, trash I, I couldn't tell you what it was about them, but it was just... To me, they just seemed like the epitome of the NFL. It was that team that everybody would always talk trash on, but they never really went away. They would never go away. They always seemed to get those plucky results where they just would fight and fight. Even when they were getting absolutely dismantled, they weren't a team to give up. Yeah. And I think that just kind of resonated. And then as, I mean, from then on, the, 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 the story's been written of the Patriots. Up until this season, the Patriots basically ran the NFL. So, uh, yeah, like, I think... I think in 1998 is when they introduced those new unis, the the, the blue with the red and the white, that the yeah. silver helmets. I think that was the first year they dropped those new unis, and everybody was like, "Oh shit, the pets are legit." And I think that's when yeah. um, I think that's right before Belichick came on, or that might have been his first year as the Pats head Pats head coach, and he had Drew Bledsoe, because uh, Tom Brady didn't come on until like 99 2000. So I think it was, it was 2000, like 2001 he came yeah. in. So, so they had Drew Bledsoe, 
They had Drew Bledsoe, who was a, a respected veteran who played in the league for a long time before going to the Patriots with Bill Parcells. And then Belichick mm. came in after Parcells. But I think, like you said, the Patriots had just dropped those new unis and they literally look like the quintessential new NFL, the new style uniforms, the new helmets. They yeah. They were yeah, they they were they were on the edge of replacing the Cowboys as sort of the face of the NFL in 98. So I could yeah. see why the Patriots would why they would export the Patriots as a sort of like the the picture of the league. Yeah, but that I was pretty remember. much it. That was that was pretty much how I started with the sport, and then again, like over here, um, we had a kind of American football league. It was like a European league. I think I, I spoke to NFL you about Europe it. NFL Europe was dope. And it was NFL like Europe you had like the, the the Scottish Claymores, yep. and you had like the Amsterdam Rhinos and the uh, Frankfurt Frank- Gazelles and stuff Frankfurt like that. Galaxy. Not quite names like you guys, yep. but I mean, they played at the national stadium every few months and we used to get the free tickets with the schools right. it was always like the students would get like kind of free tickets so like um we'd go down with my dad and my brother and stuff like that watch the claymores play um and that kind of that was just a continuation of right. me enjoying the sport i mean like there's not many sports that I don't, ne- not necessarily follow religiously. Like, there's a lot of sports where I couldn't actually tell, but there's very few sports that I couldn't watch and get excited for. Like, the NBA, I could not tell you anything about basketball, but I can watch the game and feel the passion and the vibe and the buzz and right. get excited about it. So, because, like, sport, the likes of, like, I mean, the Super Bowl is the epitome of right. a lot i mean it's not quite the world cup but the world cup the world cup is fire i'll admit it i love the world cup so like but i can understand like from our like obviously the world cup is a lot bigger for us being the kind of like more football or soccer kind of world over here but knowing that that sort of passion and love is what you guys have for the Super Bowl. It, you can feel it. You can feel it when you're talking to just anybody that follows it. As soon as you start, it's just, it's an immediate, not necessarily a debate, but it's just an immediate, you just start firing back and forward. And it's just, it's a great conversation you're able to have. So um, the Super Bowl epitomized that. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, um, the, the evolution of the Super Bowl has become an interesting thing because I grew up, like, football was life. Like, I grew up in the Midwest, you know, Chicago, Green Bay, fucking Detroit, Minnesota, that triangle. So, like, the NFC North, right, the NFC Central back in the day, that was the smash mouth, kick each other in the face, fucking punch each other in the, in the shit and go, like, division. You had like the you had like the 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 west and the east, then you had the central, and the west coast was like flashy, throw the ball around the field, look 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 nice. Then you had the east coast, which had like the history, right? But the the NFC Central back in the day when I was a kid, that was like just a just a fuck your world up yeah. division. So I grew up. My mom my mom was a Bears fan. You know Walter Payton, Gale Sayers, 
uh, Doug Flutie, Jim McMahon, you know, the 85 Bears, Mike Ditka, Dick Buckus, right? So I grew up watching it ever since I was a kid. Like every Sunday, like my mom would watch football or her boyfriend and her would watch football. So it was kind of ingrained in me. Like I wanted to play quarterback. I did play quarterback in, in street leagues and intramurals teams and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But football is, like you said, football is like the World Cup to you guys. Like especially the Super Bowl because this everything stops. Like, everything yeah. stops. Like, Super Bowl weekend is a billion-dollar industry in this country. Like, restaurants, stores, merchandise shops. Like, every like it, it, it. Like I said, it is the it is the unofficial national holiday of the U.S. And anybody yeah. who tells you different is fucking lying, and they're jealous. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, football to me, like I've I've gone to pro games, and I'll tell you right now. Watch it on TV. You get better. Yeah, I've, I, I've played the same, the same thing. Like, I mean, I've went to like they've now the NFL have a contract with kind of like the UK where I think we get like three your games. The teams fly over to us and they play at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been yeah, to a game. Yeah, I've I've been to a game just because well. It's it's a rare occasion that I'd, I I forget to go to an NFL game, and as much as that game was a great game and a great atmosphere and just be, I couldn't help but think it was like it's hard to time it because you you can't sound British without putting down the Americans, <laughs> and uh, I I can't help but think it's the the kind of British. Like crowd audience that makes the games that much better because like I would rather watch it on TV same way like our football I'd rather watch my football team on TV but there's just nothing quite like going to the actual stadium and I don't know if it's just um like I mean straight away the kind of the UK and American and their chants are just time as well there's like you you go online you look up memes for the the the, the audience like our chants are well concocted to classical songs where we tell you just how we shagged your mum but well (laughs) in the american style there's a lot more pc and kind of let's have fun and let's enjoy whereas for us it's like we're going to make sure you cry (laughs) yeah over over here like i i've been to a couple games and you're right that there's something to there's something to the pageantry and the atmosphere, but like over here, you know, there's a lot of people are like, well, let's get beer and hot dogs and, and cheer and, and stomp our feet. There's, there's no, the, the crowd interaction is not like chanting. It's not like you guys do there. We, we do like, we will rock you. That's like our big one, right? Yeah. The queen song, right? <laughs> or we'll do the fucking wave or like who let the dogs out. Right. But we don't, we don't give it we don't give it to other sections like you guys do yeah because we don't want to like because you don't know if those motherfuckers are hammered off their ass and if they're going to come over here and start a fight in front of your kid like you you don't want to do that shit so the the sporting event atmosphere here is a lot more like oh let's have beer and hot dogs and talk shit to the players not to the not to the fans yeah 
I think so, the difference that we've got is with the whole those guys are drunk, they might come over and start fighting in front of our kids. Here, it's a bit more like, oh, would you look at that? Our kids are now getting involved with them and they're <laughs> going and beating them up now. So I think that's where the difference is, is that we really don't care. And even at that, like, it's the funniest thing is, is like, and it's the same, like, this, this goes right across the board. It's not just a UK, USA kind of thing. But the one thing that I do love um, is, like, you watch, like, the Super Bowl and the lead up and that kind of stuff. And it's like, as much as there's, like, talk and trash talk and all that kind of stuff between players and fans and all that kind of stuff. So one of the things that we see over here so much is in the lead up to the Super Bowl game, the amount of fans that turn up in the car park whip out their barbecue grills and everybody just fucking tailgating like, baby yeah that's it and it's like that's what we've kind of like you can see it here as well as, as much as you can see our fans will shout at the other fans shout at the players shout at the diamond right. kind of stuff when it right comes down to it there is a unity it's like like we'll sit and time me this or not but see if you were to turn around to any football fan and say, oh, football's a pussy sport. You should go and do golf. You should go and do F1. You should go and do thing. No matter what team those fans support, they could be the biggest rivals and hate each other. They will unite and beat you down. <laughs> and then yeah, we'll then go back here. and start picking each other's head in again. Like, as soon as you start messing from an outside, it's like, no. We will beat you up first, then we'll go back and start kicking each other. <laughs> so yeah, like, but it's I, just a amazing thing to see. You see that in the tailgate, right? You see, like, like in in the football stadium, you see that in the tailgate. Like, team like opposing people will will get together and share food and bullshit. But once mm. it's game time, that's tribalism. Yeah. That's tribalism. Like. Oh yeah, exactly. Opposing team, opposing fans will like get into a fist fight, but if somebody says shit about someone else's team, they won't team up and whoop that dude's ass. Yeah, they'll they'll <laughs> wait and then one by one kick that dude's ass. They won't group <laughs> up like you. They won't stop and be like, "Oh, you said shit about that guy's team or my team. We'll kick ass." No, they'll be like, "Oh, you want to kick his ass first? Okay, I'll wait." <laughs> so I think I think I think you got a point with like where we're a little more like tribalistic and our team lines don't get crossed where like you said that unity is more more for your yeah. thing unless you're talking tailgate baby because when you're talking tailgate it's a competition over here tailgating is just as important as the football game because the kansas city fans want you to know that their ribs are better than the philly fuckers cheesesteaks bro and if you come up to wisconsin brats and cheese Ain't gonna be whooped by fucking pizza or whatever you're bringing. You better bring some beer brats and some fucking hot ass cheese, or you're getting bounced out the stadium, bro. So that's where my worry is: is that if I ever come across, because if I do come when I do come across, one thing that I've always wanted to do is go to an NFL game. Be it, oh, yeah. I mean, the Super Bowl when they're hitting it with five thousand dollars for a ticket, it's a bit of a put off. But yeah, like, right. But the problem that I've got is I would like to go and enjoy the football game. The issue that I'll have is 
I'll probably enjoy the tailgating a lot more and not care about going into the stadium. Like, right. we'll go tailgate, then we'll go back home, watch the game on the telly. <laughs> right. And, the, and, the, and like I was saying, I prefer the TV presentation more than I prefer being at the stadium. Because yeah. it's $8 for a hot dog, bro. <laughs> and your hot dog is trash. You want $7 for a watered-down swill beer? You want $4 for a bottle of water? Suck my balls. No, no, Well, no, that's no. one thing that you do actually have is because in the UK, we're not allowed to sell for alcohol at football games. Well, yeah, because you guys start riots. Or any sport games, actually. You guys start riots. No, well, that's kind of true. But at the same time, like, I've... The problem that there is is we now have the problem of everybody goes and gets alcohol the night before and then gets drunk to show up to the game. (laughs) So it would probably just be better just letting people drink in the stadium and they'll have two beers because you're charging £15 for them. Whereas now what's happened is everybody's went and got drunk, they've turned up and they've started fighting outside the stadium before they've even got in. So, like... They're bitching over whoever's black pudding's better. Exactly. like, And that's a big thing. Like, storming away all the way. Yeah, and and like the 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 game itself, like the the significance of the Super Bowl, people like live and die by the the, the fucking just watching Twitter last night, bro. <laughs> I was Wait, well, dying. I've got one question for you based right. on the game and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, let's get into it. All right, what do you got? Do you think the referees? made the game about themselves nah not at all uh which you bring that up because that's one of the points i wanted to hit let's look at it statistically the chiefs got hit with 11 penalties for 120 yards right mm-hmm. the patriot or the buccaneers i'm so used to say the patriots because it's not brady <laughs> the buccaneers exactly. got hit with four four penalties right now there were only two penalties that went against the Patriots that had been like, nah, that yeah, that's that's some bullshit. And it was the uh, it was the the end zone pass that Tom Brady threw to Mike Evans that was like way the hell over his head. Yeah, and Mike Evan Mike Evans had no chance to catch it, and uh, Honey Badger Tyron Matthew got hit with the the pi. Right, I think that one was sort of ticky tack. And that one I wouldn't have thrown the flag on, right? And then there was the the other flag where uh, the uh, the uh, the other PI call again against Mike uh, Evans, where the defender fell down, and as he was falling, he hit the back of Mike Evans' shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Evans may have had a shot to catch that ball, but. Him slapping his heel like that. Uh, I think I, what you have I to remember is, yeah, these decisions can seem harsh, but at the end of the day, if the rule states a certain thing, you can, like, in that flash moment, the referee is not going to know if there was intent, if there was malice, if he was going to be able to reach that. Because for all we know, the camera showed that he was not going to make that pass and the AFL tripped him up by accident. But for all we know, in that moment, he could have had an amazing burst acceleration and caught up and caught that pass. 
He could so have laid out there's so many outside factors. Like there's so many factors that as a referee you cannot like the harshness of it if it's in that rule. Because like one of the arguments that we kept that like um I was making with my, my mate that came up, he didn't understand how the penalty went against um the Buccaneers when it was unsportsmanlike conduct. And it was um it was that whole bit when the guy had went down, he turned over the, the, the ball and he was, he was like, oh, two, two, two. Party, and he yeah. got a penalty, right? And he was like, I mean, that's just a stupid thing. And you're like, oh, well, no, really, because it's been in the rule for, what, 50 years? Yeah, Tonting like, has been there for a while. Yeah, like you can't play the sport and get upset about the rules if the rules have been in place for, like, it's understandable if it's like, in our like in football, we change rules or we add rules and stipulations every year. So like we have new offside rules, we have new throw-in rules and stuff like that. And it's understandable if a player hasn't quite got that into their head. But when it's rules that have been there, like like that rule, as far as I'm concerned, basically says do not be an asshole. That's right. it. And like he was arguing, well, that's what sport and competitive is all about. And so like, no. The fact is, is he beat that guy. That guy is already lost. To then turn around and rub it in his face just shows that you're actually, in fact, the loser because right. you've managed to lower yourself below him. So, like, who mm. is the lost, the loser here? And right. it was just, it was an annoying thing. And to hear so many of them thiming about how or the referees made that game about themselves. Every Amen. single penalty that was given against the Chiefs was justified they were breaking the rules as much as you can turn around and go oh it was a bit harsh or thing it was yeah, still it was against the rule that was it like they were holding you, you can physically see them holding and it's like uh, and why are you so shocked that the referees have gave against you holding like well one of the that, reasons that's like me running up and stabbing somebody the police coming across and me going why are you arresting me <laughs> Well, one of, one, of, one, of the, one of the main complaints I saw, not to cut you off, one of the main complaints I saw about the holding call, uh, the multiple holding calls was a lot of those holding calls came away from the play. So everybody's like, well, it didn't affect the play, yada, yada, yada. Here's the problem, bro. If you make the comment that that holding call didn't affect the play, Mike Evans, on when that dude wrapped him up on the hips, that one holding call where Mike Evans went ran to the dude and the dude grabbed him around the hips... Because he ran past him. You're fucking up Mike Evans' route timing. Mike Evans could have ran an in route or he could have wheeled out route. That hole took him a half a second off the off the timing route. So if that opposite route on the strong side of the field was closed off, Brady's looking for the weak side wheel route. And if Evans is held for that split second, that does affect the play, bro. So you got to throw that holding flag. Now, here's the thing I'm going to say about the penalties, right? In American sports, all sports, and it's probably true for European sports too, when you get to the playoffs or you get to the championship games, the coaches and everybody will tell you, we're going to let you play. And what that means is we're not usually going to throw the flag. We're going to let you get a little chippy. We're going to let you get away with a little more shit because we want, we want the talent on the field to prevail. So we're not quick to throw the flag. We're not quick to call something we call in the regular season. The problem was, was that officiating crew wasn't having it. That officiating yeah. crew didn't let them play. And one of the things I had a problem with was, it's the Super Bowl, man. You got to let players play. 
Now, if it's egregious, call that shit all day. But like ticky tack stuff, like a hold, or like that that pi in the end zone where the ball is way the hell over Mike Evans' yeah. head. Don't throw that flag, right? That let him play. Let the players play. Let them have it a little bit. Let it get a little chippy, right? Makes for a better game. It shows you if yeah. the talent can overcome the chippiness, then the real team wins. Now, yeah. talking about unsportsmanlike conduct, did you see the flag that Tyron Matthew got, the unsportsmanlike conduct, for when he got up in Tom Brady's face? Yeah. And then Tom Brady ran his ass down and got in his shit. Tom Brady should have got a flag for that shit, too. Because Tyron yeah. Matthew was jawjacking, right? And he said something that pissed Tom Brady off. And Tom Brady was like, oh, bitch, let's go. He chased Tyron Matthew down and got in Tyron Matthew's shit. That should have been offsetting unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. But, but would that be considered as unsportsmanlike conduct? Or should uh, it be put down as instigating? Because if he's then defending, that's like turning around and saying that Tom Brady was walking off the pitch. Some of the guys ran up behind him and sucker punched him and then tom brady's chased him down sucker punched him back but tom brady then gets thrown out the game well, for the pro- basically the pro- defending themselves the problem so, is like, football doesn't have instigating hockey see, that's something that you hockey should, has instigating a, you get two minutes for instigating no. in hockey you have in hockey you have two minutes for instigating football doesn't have that you just have unsportsmanlike conduct so right. when Tom and the and the, the the thing was is Tyron Matthew bumped his gums at Tom Brady and then ran off, right? There wasn't a, it wasn't a big issue, right? Tom Brady ran and chased his ass down, and that's when it got chippy. Now Tyron yeah. Matthew got a penalty for that when Tom Brady should have got an equal penalty. Because Tyron Matthew said what he said as he ran by. So he, he was jawjacking as he ran by, and that pissed Tom off, and then Tom actually chased him down. So that should have been equal offsetting penalties because Tyron Matthew said what he said as he ran by. He wasn't, he didn't purposely go to Tom Brady. He, he was running by, said some shit to Tom Brady, pissed Tom Brady off. Tom Brady ran him down. But yeah. because Tyron Matthew had said something, and let's face it, Tom Brady's the GOAT and the GOAT's going to get called. Uh-huh. Like, come on. It's, it's human nature, right? So, oh, yeah, think- like, can you, can you imagine the, the kind of backlash that would have came out of the Super Bowl if the headline was referees eject Tom Brady for that? Yeah, that'd have been fucking like, insane. That ref would have been hung. That ref yeah, would have been exactly. lynched outside the stadium. But, but, I mean, just have to look at the referees after the whole airgate fiasco yeah. with all oh, the balls have been deflated, deflated or inflated yeah. or that kind of stuff. So like you just have to look at that and see what the backlash of that was. So imagine if something like that like it's understandable that the, the penalty was called and stuff like that. Right. But I think that one I would kind of look at in the whole that but I'm I can only time it from a kind of European standpoint of in our sport if you incite a reaction you're fully to blame because at the end of the day you have incited that reaction from that player from that fan whatever so uh, because it is really really bad to you i mean we've had things in like 
uh, in Glasgow, we've got the old firm, which is you've got the football team Rangers, football team Celtic. Rangers right. have also always been known as the Protestant team, Celtic are the Catholic team. Rangers right. were founded by the English Protestants. Celtic were founded by the Irish priests of Glasgow. Right. And they've been going as the old firm rivalry. Now this is, people have died over this game. So uh, there's constant fights, there's constant just every horrible thing you can think of it's there so um, to the point where like up until i think the 80s it was believed that the rangers would never ever sign a catholic player would never sign someone from that religion okay. and the same would said about celtic they would never ever sign a protestant player and that was it. You used to have to go in with birth certificates and, and that kind wow. of stuff to prove that you were not a timer. And it's even quite right now. I mean, we're still getting comments where we've got a Croatian left back, uh, Borna Barisic, who is, I mean, the Croatians, they're all like, they're religious and stuff like that. And Celtic have two other Croatians. Mm -hmm. And a news story came out talking about he was talking about how on a sunday at 9 p.m he meets up with these other two croatian players and they go to mass and yeah. the, the chapel and stuff like that and the newspapers were trying to make it out this this rangers player was socializing with celtic players at a chapel and it was one of those ones that so many people got upset about it and like the normal people were all like and what He's uh, that's his religion. He's got a thing right. of that. Who cares? So exactly. they're creation. They're all friends. They play like we don't get upset because a, a Rangers player and a Celtic player are playing for a national team. But like it's it's a, it's a no go thing, and it's like so we've had things in that where like a Celtic player will go up towards like the Rangers fans, and they'll start chatting and clapping and this and that and just being assholes and yeah. we have the thing where it's you're inciting basically a riot because the right. rangers fans will try and go on that pitch to knock your head in <laughs> and right. there's also times where rangers players have done it towards celtic fans like mm. back in 1998 or so or 1997 celtic have at the start of the match they have this thing called the huddle where they all group run and they have a talk it's a, in this sport it's a celtic thing Rangers right. don't do the huddle, Aberdeen don't do the huddle, nobody else does the huddle, Celtic do. We won the championship at Celtic Park, their home stadium. Damn. And at the end of the match, the Rangers players done the huddle oh, fuck in front of the guys. Celtic fans. And it sparked this huge, massive thing where it was like, players started getting death threats managers were getting bullets with their names sent to their houses it yeah, was just an unbelievable thing and it's like i could understand when we're talking about that level of instigating them yeah i can see how in american football they don't <laughs> yeah no, yeah, I get it. It really is not on level with... I mean, he said a couple of words. He didn't yeah, they, go they and say something there. as bad as what could be said. So I think it was a bullshit call. Like, I yeah, think it was. It was a bit, yeah. Like, if he's going to get it, Brady should have got it as well. Yeah, it should have got it. shouldn't have got it. It was just a bit of argy-bargy. It was yeah. just... It was in the heat of the moment of the game and stuff like that. But at the same time, if you start letting things go... 
where does it stop? Because yeah, then you'll exactly. start getting the ones. Well, well, you let this guy off with it. Why are you not letting me off with it? And the and the so. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like, and then after the game, Tyron Matthew was like, "Well, I've never." Tom Brady said some shit. I've never, I've never seen that. I'm, I'm not gonna repeat it. And I've never seen that side of Tom, bro. Do you not know who Tom Brady is? Like Tom Brady shows up in a Tom Ford jacket, nice hair, sweetest guy. He puts a helmet on. He's a goddamn animal. He's yeah. talking about your mom. He's talking about your kids. Tom Brady, at one point, when he's playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, the the night before the game, this hot shot cornerback was like, oh, Tom Brady's overrated, blah, blah, blah. Tom Brady made that dude his bitch the whole game and ran down, got helmet to helmet with the dude, and like, I just threw up your fucking head, bitch, just all up in this man's grill. You don't know yeah. who Tom Brady is, honey badger? You ain't, Tom Brady ain't, Ain't the Tom Ford haircut, ain't the supermodel wife on the field. That motherfucker's a savage. And he makes oh, you fucking yeah. be like, I'm going to rip your head off. Which is funny. Which brings me to the point of who did you think, or what did you think was the key to the Buccaneers' victory? Because I want I want to hear your take from kind of like a pseudo-outsider's perspective. What did you think was the key to victory for the, for the Bucs? I mean, in a kind of like a broad sense, like the kind of the typical answer, it would be Brady. He had a hand like, in it for sure. Brady made that. I mean, it wasn't even Brady made that game. Brady made that team. I mean, what was the stats? Uh, the Buccaneers hadn't won a playoff game since two thousand and two. Yep. When was the last time they'd made a a, a Super Bowl? Uh, I think it was two thousand two with uh, Rich Gannon. Yeah. Jim, so Green. you're 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 looking at like that. You look at. Tom Brady and even Gronk at the Patriots and how much a well-oiled machine that was. They go to the Buccaneers, take them to the Super Bowl in their first season, wins mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, and you can just see like it basically showed like every all the hype about how Tom Brady is the greatest of all times and Mahomes is going to be the next, and you're like that. Ah, but if that is the next, Mahomes has got a hell of a lot to go until he's at that level because like obviously we had different commentators and stuff like that but you look at the stats when Mahomes scored or passed his first completion he'd done six incompletions before that moment right right, right. Tom Brady made an incompletion and he'd made nine completed passes before that moment that is a massive difference. You can yeah. sit and talk about how Mahomes, he was under, like when he, he made that fucking parallel to the ground throw and the pass went through the guy's horns and dunked him in the, the helmet. There were two of those, two of those. Twice that happened to him. Right off but the you face all, mask. You also have to look at when Mahomes had the ball, I can only mention maybe between five and ten times he threw that pass. He either held the ball and ran himself out of bounds to try and make some yardage, or he passed the ball off. He did not have the confidence that you would expect someone like Mahomes that's coming in a second Super Bowl, having won it last year, played like a rookie. Tom Brady took control of that game, took control of the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, and made sure everybody knew that Tom Brady was not done. He was not finished. He was there for another stay. And 
Tom Brady for me made the difference to that Buccaneers team because even in the moments where like that uh, the first touchdown uh, pass that should have been when Brady whipped that ball through and it went through the guy's horns and hit him in the head and you're like like we they were making these signs of oh well he doesn't do that he doesn't catch for a living and you're like, he's a fucking football player yeah it doesn't matter if you're a catcher a receiver a running back a tight end if you cannot catch a football do not play that sport facts and yeah. the fact that like, you can you could put so many factors it was a super bowl maybe the nerves got to him he's called it's the first time there so it does not matter the fact that in that that moment when everybody went is this what it's going to be tom's going to be making these plays and the buccaneers are not going to be able to play it and then who pops up so that was two touchdowns for gronk that's what played maybe one two games this season yeah so it's like for me hands down brady made that team brady made that game pretty much yeah yeah no that that's a fair assessment because um tom brady like and we talked a little bit about it off air at the end of the game we talked yeah. about how like you hear you hear tom brady right it's tom brady he's the most corny dorky like soft-spoken respectful dude right always shows up like it's tom he's a dork right yeah. He's the quintessential no scandal white guy, right? But he's been mm -hmm. doing it for so long, right? But then Tom Brady steps on the field and he's an animal. And then, and then at some point, when you're the Chiefs, the reality sets in that that's Tom fucking Brady. Yeah. That's the GOAT. Six championships, <laughs> four MVP trophies record upon record upon record at some point in that game tom you the the opposing team the chiefs realized that's tom fucking brady yeah and th the mental the mental hurdle of overcoming that's tom fucking brady and that's rob gronkowski the all century tight end like better than any tight end in the last hundred years of the nfl right that plays a part right so yeah you Tom, like from from an outsider's perspective tom brady made that game you know what i saw not only did tom brady make that game but todd bulls the defensive coordinator for the buccaneers who ran four down linemen two high safeties classic cover two he shut mahomes down they yeah. played too high right they play too high. So uh, cover two is basically you have your down linemen, you got your linebackers, you got your corners on the outside, then you got your two safeties in back. Too high means yeah. your safeties play, they play deep to cover the seams and the fly and the go route. So you can double the outside receivers. So the guys that are going to stretch the field. The problem with cover two is if you don't got linebackers to cover that space in between, which is called the flat, Tight ends and running backs are going to eat your ass for breakfast. <laughs> so, classic cover two, you run your safeties in your corners deep. You run your linebackers in the flat. You need your down linemen, your four down linemen, if you're doing a four, if you're doing the four, three. So, four yeah. down linemen, three linebackers, right? You rely on your four down linemen to beat their five offensive linemen, right? 
So you're playing yeah. four down, two deep, cover two. It's called cover two, right? Those yeah. boys on the Tampa Bay defensive line, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, and Dominican Sue, and Jason Pierre-Paul were in Mahomes' ass like they had a fetish for that young lad. Oh, they hit him. They hit him eight times. They hit him eight times, sacked him three. Do you know how many times they pressured him? Get this. This is the stat you're going to shit your pants on. Out of the 56 snaps that Patrick Mahomes took and dropped back, 29 yeah. times the Tampa Bay defensive lineman was in his ass. 29 of 56 snaps. Bro, that's like me walking up in your house and banging your woman three times a week. <laughs> and you can't do shit. And Pro Football Focus calculated the number of negative yards that Patrick Mahomes had to scramble for. Take a wild fucking guess how many negative yards he scrambled for but didn't lose because he got rid of the ball. Take a wild guess how many yards he had to scramble for. He must have made a decent, like, it must, you must be talking in the 20s, 30s. No, no, no. Patrick Mahomes' total scramble yards to avoid getting sacked, 250 yards he ran. Just to avoid getting sacked. 250 yeah. yards in the other direction. Are well, they you were fucking hunting him kidding down, me? They were hunting him down. Well, they were hunting him down because here's another thing. The second half, the defense just was able to pin their ears back because Kansas City gave up on the run. They had 17 total carries for 107 yards compared to Tampa Bay's 33 for 145. Kansas City was getting 6.9 yards a carry where Tampa mm. Bay was getting 4.4. Kansas City gave up on the run. So when they gave up on the run, those boys got to eat his ass even more because they weren't worried about the run game. Yeah. Tyreek Hill didn't do shit. He had three catches for 13 yards. Travis Kelsey couldn't catch the ball and run because Levante David and Antoine Winfield III, the linebacking crew, and uh, Devin White would mm -hmm. smack that motherfucker in the mouth. And here's yeah. another reason the defense, the defense, the defense played lights out because Andy Reid runs, runs what they call scat protection. It means I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna run my receivers and my tight ends out, and I'm gonna run my running backs out. So my five O linemen can beat your four down linemen. Yeah. The problem going into that game was Kansas City lost three starting offensive linemen. They didn't have their two starting tackles, and they lost their Pro Bowl right guard. So the last six weeks of the season, they had to reshuffle their line. Four guys on Tampa Bay ate five dudes lunch and smacked their quarterback in the mouth eight times, pressured him nine times, and just had him running for his life. Yeah. So the defense allowed Tom Brady... To just play with no concerns. Tom Brady just was like, yeah. oh, my defense is going to eat this man's lunch. By the third quarter, it was over, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Like, you even just have to look at that. Like, you look at when uh, the Chiefs had the ball, and as soon as that snap was made, 
it was just a bombardment of collapse the pocket yeah like just behemoth men coming down and you look at like you just have to look at the simple like the amount of time brady had to like scan the entire field several times before he needed to throw that ball it was just a constant like mahomes did not have a second and yeah you could turn around and go like that yeah the the, the defense or the the uh, defense for the, the buccaneers were just on point is that but it just shows you just how flappable mahomes can be in that instance yeah, you get punched in the mouth like he was. Uh, whoa. But yeah. I, I'll tell you this, though. The one thing I did see on Twitter, people were like, oh, Mahomes played like shit. Mahomes did not play like shit. No, he, he I would have put it in. No, it wasn't Mahomes' fault. He played the best he could. And that throw he made in the beginning of the fourth quarter, you know the yeah. one I'm talking about, where yeah. Shaq Barrett takes his legs out from underneath him. Just clips the fucking legs out from underneath him. And Mahomes is horizontal to the field. Horizontal to the field. And whips that motherfucking ball 15 yards and it bounces off the guy's face mask. There ain't yeah. There ain't another quarterback in the game that can make that throw. There ain't yeah. another quarterback on the game that can make that throw. Patrick Mahomes is not to blame for that game. What's the blame for that game is the offensive line could not stop Todd Bowles' defense. And their, yeah. the Kansas City secondary had no answer for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, oh, exactly. ball was out. You notice Tom Brady's dropbacks, two, three seconds, ball is out. Yeah. Right? So when Tom Brady's playing lights out and you got a defense that's feasting, there ain't no, it don't matter how good you are. And and let, let's go back to the penalties. Kansas City played sloppy swagger football all season. Mm -hmm. They were sloppy all season. But you don't notice the sloppy penalties when you're rolling everybody. Exactly. But when you're playing sloppy and you're behind, and you're playing the GOAT, and he's got a defense that's in your ass, exactly. you can't swag. You can't swag. And that's... This is literally the argument that I was making, is that most of those penalties, the only reason people were making such a call about it is because it was against them. Like, you can absolutely guarantee, see if the Chiefs were 38-9 up, you can guarantee not one of them would be complaining no. about the 11 penalties that either the Bucks had gave away or the fact that they'd gave them away. Because why would you? Why would you mention it? The only reason these play calls are getting brought up is because they lost. That is yep. it. Well, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's no something to complain about. It's no something to tell the really go, oh, that's just stupid. Is it? Because it's just what happens in sport. You, like, no one will ever admit openly that their team just sucked. Like, that was it. Like, their team just did not they turn up. Bed. Like, they that, the that, that, that's the, the be all end all is that. They played great for two seasons. The Chiefs played good football. But when they turned up that day, it just fell apart. And it happens. It happens, it happens to the best teams. It happens to the worst teams. That's the joy of sport, is that anything can and will happen. So Because the Buccaneers were completely written off. See, over here especially, Bucks were completely written off. Underdogs to the highest heaven. And right. there you go. 
Yeah, it, it just shows you don't write anybody off. Like you said, man, at, at some point when they stepped on the field, they realized that they were playing the fucking GOAT. Yeah. And like and Patrick Mahomes has got so much pressure to be the next GOAT. When things weren't going right and he was he was doing everything he could, the Bucks defense just would not let the man breathe. Did you see that hit in the fourth quarter where Mahomes literally gets bent? Forward. Oh, yeah, with the three. He gets hit three dudes, right? Three dudes. Now, that hit was clean. I disagree with the roughing the penalty, roughing the passer penalty. Because they called it on Jason Pierre-Paul, who was already falling into the quarterback. That was a clean hit. That's not roughing the passer. Yeah. That's just unfortunate. He got fucking mob banged. That's not a roughing the passer. JPP already yeah. was falling. What do you want him to do? See, Stop mid-fall? In that moment, like, as much as you could tell us, like, oh, it's, it's rough and it's this and that. See the question that I raised on that? Where the fuck was his defense? Like, where were the three people that were supposed to stop that fucking behemoth of a man coming towards him? Where they were, were they? They were watching him rip their quarterback. Exactly. They were watching him get an absolute gangbang after three big black dudes. That was 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 that you're our bitch. Like, you are not right. going to make any fucking pass here. I mean, the next greatest of all time didn't throw a pass. Yeah. He didn't. Like, the, the nine they got were field goals. Yeah. He didn't He didn't get but, it in the end zone. He didn't get it done. That, that defense exactly. was so good. So, let's put a final thought on this because we got more topics to hit. So, last thought on the Super Bowl. What's your takeaway? Well, it... It wasn't as an exciting game as previous Super Bowls have been, but to see the kind of end season result of the Buccaneers and their amazing season, I think it was an overall, it was a good solid NFL. Like it, it made me go, I want to watch more NFL. Just to see that it just goes to show that the smaller team or the, the unknown teams, the teams that like your dolphins and your jets and stuff like that, it can happen. You make something work well, you'll make it. Yeah, that's fair. For me, it puts I think, a wee bit more hope. For me, I think my final thought on the game was it wasn't because it's hard for me to 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 put this in perspective because I was an athlete i i've played the game right so to see people on twitter go oh it was boring they, they got beat down they did and it was boring from one perspective but watching the storyline of the trench warfare of the offensive line watching that mm -hmm. too deep down for defense dismantle one of the most flashy fun offenses the league has seen in a decade that yeah. to me was i i was riveted 
I wanted to see if Mahomes would be able to flip a switch and and figure it out. Tom Brady said we'll be better next year. And that's terrifying. It's oh, terrifying. yeah. Like, because they're that just good. Just when they're still probably mall in the Chiefs, and you're going, ah, we'll, we'll make some changes and we'll come back better. Yeah, that, that's just <laughs> terrifying. If I was yeah. opposing teams, I'd be worried. What's up, Mark? So, all right, let's transition to our next major topic, and then we'll hit some rambles, and then we'll go on to a few other things. So, the next topic that we're going to talk about is Wall Street financial shenanigans. Now, I'm not as schooled in this as football, so this might be a shorter conversation. But yeah. the past couple weeks, Wall Street has been going fucking bonkers. Now, what happened was, is this this Reddit forum called Wall Street Bets is basically 4chan with a stock market terminal, right? Yeah. A bunch of dudes who know how to fuck around in the market got pissed off and was like, oh, let's let's fuck with people <laughs> so they noticed that the major head funds were doing what's called a short sell on gamestop and layman's short sell is when a company invests in a stock they want to drive it low so they make money if the stock prices rises they lose money that's that's the short sell you follow mm-hmm. so these wall street bet dudes had seen the market trend And we're like, oh, bet, let's fuck up the system. So the one guy who started it, and before I go into this next point, this whole Wall Street bets thing was billed as like the everyman gamer against Wall Street. And nah, nah, bro, it wasn't. Because the way this whole shit got started is these dudes dropped 100K into GameStop. So it wasn't like me and you dropping $5 on... Stop. Yeah, it was the everyday gamer because no, no, most no, no. gamers do not have a spare fifty thousand yeah. dollars just sitting in a drawer next to them ready yeah. to go. It was it was these fucking shit posters who know how the market works and had some money and were like, let's fuck with the market. We'll do a short squeeze. Now a short squeeze is if you buy low and you want to drive it up, so whoever whoever was counting on it staying low loses the money. Yeah. So Wall Street Bets is like, oh, you're shorting it. Well, we'll squeeze it. They get 50 grand, 100 grand, and they start driving this shit up, right? The market loses its mind because then the everyman catches on. At one point, yeah. GameStop was trading as low as $4. And it they drove it to $438. Yeah. Okay? So as this, as this stock is rising, and AMC was in there and a couple others, but GameStop was the main one. Yeah, they were right. okay. The, the big ones. As GameStop starts doing this, these billionaire hedge funds lose $3.8 billion, right? And another hedge fund has to step in and does a stimulus of $2.1 billion, and they lose that. Then, once $6 billion of hedge fund money goes away, um, private citizen investor apps like Robinhood and uh, a couple of the smaller ones are like, well, you can't buy GameStop no more. You can only you can only sell what you got. Yeah. That's when the fucking controversy hits because that shit, that's dirty as fuck. 
Because basically what Robin Hood did was Wall Street was losing money. And then they were like, no, no, you can't trade. Yeah. And then everybody was like, well, well, how come we can't manipulate the market? But these hedge fund guys can manipulate the market. Now, it is totally fair and within the terms of service for Robinhood to delist a stock or whatever. Like, it's read their EULA. They can do that. It's fair for them to do it. That don't mean it ain't dirty as fuck and bullshit. So, I mean, what's your take? Oh, I just think it's it's an amazing thing of these rich people were upset about losing money that they were trying to get the likes of the media and the government to come in and be on their side and you're like, what you were doing was literally illegal because you're they were literally putting out the evidence as to what this uh, Wall Street bets were doing was illegal, but what they were doing was what Wall Street were doing. So basically, like the the argument that I seen from it is that these Wall Street bets were and they fuck up their day and forced Wall Street to prove they were in fact doing illegal shitty things in order to prove that Wall Street bets were doing illegal shitty things. And you like that. How fucking stupid can you be? You've literally just fucked yourself even more than what you're because now you've got Congress that are now starting to take a look. Yeah, you you never want Congress to start looking into what you're doing in shoddy workspaces here. And and I just think it's like the whole thing. Like I, I never really was able to follow it. Like it's it's stocks and that kind of stuff wasn't my thing. And it seemed a lot more of an American thing. Like I don't know Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've seen the movie, but that's where I stopped. It's a fucking casino. Yeah, all all Wall Street is is a fucking casino where people gamble with commodities instead of cash. They take gold and they move it around. They take federal income loans, they move them around. They take shares of this, that, or that, and they move it around. And it's all dictated by like who buys, who sells. And it's all, it's it's a boys club. Cause yeah. before Corona hit, a bunch of congressmen got intel that coronavirus gets to be a thing. And congressmen got stock. So a bunch of those motherfuckers after the coronavirus briefing hit, sold their shit and made bank. Yeah. Because the minute Corona hit, the market went into the shitter. So how- I think that's what hit me, man, is the fact that when I was hearing about them, you're like, oh, that's just gamers on Reddit doing what Reddit do. And then we actually hear that the re- one of the reasons why they done it was because these Wall Street people literally banked on people losing their livelihoods. Like They literally banked on a pandemic that was killing people to make money and at that point you go well do you know what see anything that anybody can do to make sure that you can't go and buy your seventh four billion dollar yacht fucking well done to them so i hope every single one of them anybody that banked on the pandemic should lose everything they have just to show them just the impact that this pandemic's created not just in America and the UK, but across the entire globe, people have lost everything. And these people had the audacity to go out and try and make money on it. 
Yeah, it's, like, it's, just, it's a shocking thought process. Like, just to even think that there's people on this planet that would go to that low make a buck and you're like, that's a horrible existence to know. Yeah, I, I read an article. Um, I read an article last week that said the pandemic has created more billionaires and the first trillionaires in the history of the world. Because the dirty secret of this right now, the dirty secret of this is the pandemic didn't hurt Walmart didn't hurt Amazon it, mm. it didn't hurt Sony or any of that it hurt your mom and pop you know yeah. your local general store it hurt your local tea it didn't hurt Starbucks it hurt the local mom and pop who make their own coffee it didn't hurt fucking McDonald's it hurt Jim Bob's breakfast nook right because we were told, shut it down. It's not safe. Your people can't work. Yeah. You, you, but yet, your ass can walk into Walmart. Your ass can go to the drive-thru at the Mickey D's. Oh, and Amazon's running double time, baby. They got your toilet paper. The, the pandemic didn't hurt. The pandemic didn't hurt business. The pandemic hurt us. Yeah. And then you get these Wall Street fucks who gamble on it and be like, well, you know, that stock's going to go because they got to stay open or this, that, and the other thing. So yeah, you get these fucks that gamble on the outcome of this pandemic wrecking people's lives to make their millions. So then Wall Street bets decides to push back, right? Just yeah. as fucking shit posters do. The market then goes, oh, no, 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 we can't have that. Stop them. Yeah. And then you're going to tell me that it, it's okay for Wall Street to do it, but yet when a bunch of like pissed off people decide to push back, it's suddenly wrong. Yeah. Bag that shit right there. Bag that shit all day. Yeah, but, it's going to be fun and interesting to see just how, like, how much of a blowback is the government going to go on? Like, are the government really, like, ain't nothing because happen. surely to God, they must look at this situation and go, if we're seen to be defending Wall Street, or we, we, we show that we're not going to do anything, there's going to be a lot of blowback on that. Like, no, there won't. No, there won't. I'll tell you right now. Because the reason why there won't be, there won't be blowback, and I don't mean to cut you off, because, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but there are too many low information voters in America to hold anybody accountable for shit. Because what will yeah. happen is the congressmen will come out and they'll grandstand and they'll say, oh, this is bad. We're going to make sanctions, blah, 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 blah. And then they're going to get on the phone the minute they get off TV and be like, yo, uh, JP Morgan Chase. Yeah, don't worry about it. You're good. Just make sure it doesn't happen again. It'll just be, don't do that. And then the American people will be like, ah, they won't do it again. Because, <laughs> especially over here, there's too many low information and apathetic voters that'll, that vote against their own interest because they vote for, well, I mean, oh, he yeah. said he was going to do I'll something. Have him see it, yeah. And that fucking pisses me off. And I don't like getting into politics like that because I'm high intelligence. <laughs> I read. 
I fucking listen and I scream out the window like Jimmy Stewart or the, the famous actor who did in 12 Angry Men where he's like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's me. But I'm a rarity over here, unfortunately. <laughs> and like you said, it, it happens over there too. And that's exactly what's going to happen. They'll come out, they'll sing, they'll dance. They'll, they'll have a sharply worded letter and a mean press conference. And they'll say that they're going to oversee Wall Street a little better, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. However, the class action lawsuits that are happening to Robin Hood, that's going to do some shit. <laughs> That's going to do some oh, shit. For sure. For sure. But I, I think it's funny that I think it's funny that it was sold that it was the everyman punching back at Wall Street when in reality yeah. it was a bunch of rich shit posters who wanted to fuck with the guys on Wall Street just to, to show that they could. Because a couple hedge funds lost a lot of money but let's be real. There were a lot of other hedge funds that made a fuck ton of money. Oh yeah, there was definitely like, but that's the scary thing is that it doesn't matter. Like even when them themselves are getting fucked, they're still able to make some money somehow, and it's terrifying. Yeah, it's a terrifying thought. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It is. I mean, I there are a couple good things that came out of this, and I, I think I'll, I'll put my final I'll put my final dib on this because I'm I'm running out of what I know of it. The Wall Street bets thing has raised the awareness and the need to understand commodities and stocks and dividends and just how hinky shit is. So A, you can either play the game or two, you can find out why the game is fucking you. And I think that's a good thing because now a lot more people are talking about Bitcoin and Dogecoin and uh, Ethereum. Because those are currencies mm -hmm. that aren't dictated by the market. They're dictated by the amount of currency that's in circulation. And yeah. I think this has had a positive effect on the awareness of what the market actually is and how fragile markets can be and just how much you're getting screwed by said markets. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. All right, so what we're going to transition to now is our first what we call ramble of the night. This is called the Docs Ramble. So we're going to hit the little audio transition. So that is exclamation point D ramble. Do you speak any English? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? No. I cannot believe this shit. And I believe this shit. So my ramble for tonight is a little more a uh, little more positive, but yet still a little bit of passionate thing. I'll make it quick. We're coming up on the hour and a half mark. We're targeting about two and a half hours, so I'm going to make this short and sweet. Let's talk pit bulls. Let's talk uh, bad breeds, and let's talk bad pack leadership. Pit bulls, and I'm biased because I got one. I'm going to tell you that my bias right now. My bias is out front. I got a pit bull. She's 55 pounds, and she's a fucking sweetheart, right? Problem I have, and the way I want to hit this ramble, is pit bulls, for the longest time, have been maligned as this vicious, nasty, killer breed. They have this yeah. reputation of being bad dogs and killer animals. And it's bullshit. Because most pit bulls 
Now, I'm going to drop some knowledge on you on chat here, so pay attention. All dog breeds go through what's called temperament testing. It basically tests their temperament of how they react to stimuli and what their, what their mental traits are. Do you know that pit bulls pass temperament testing at a higher rate than almost any other breed of dog on the planet? Better than German Shepherds. Better than fucking Labs. Better than... Think of a friendly breed, right? Pit bulls test higher in their temperament testing than those breeds. Which means... Those dogs are safer than the other dogs. And here's another fun fact. In the Victorian era, up until the Industrial Revolution and beyond, to about the modern era, pit bulls were known as what? Say it with me. The nanny breed of dog. Now, what does that mean? That means if you had small children and a pit bull, mom and dad were going to the theater and old Sparky-Doo was watching the kids. Because that dog would keep an eye on them. Make sure they wouldn't get into no shit. And when the parents came home. Dog would show up at the door and be like. I did my job boss. Kids are in bed. House is safe. How do you go from a nanny breed. To this vicious killer dog. Right. I'll tell you why. Asshole fucking cunty bitch owners. Yeah. Who see a big. Thick. Muscular good looking animal who's meant to do work and they're like that's a guard dog I could I could fight that dog now dog fighting whether you like it or not is a global phenomenon it's happened throughout history man has always wanted to put beast against beast dog against dog man against man it happens I don't approve of it but it's not my culture just like the dog festival in China happens where they eat dogs. It's not my culture. I don't approve. But I'm also not going to be like. Ugh. I'm not going to raise a stink about it. I have no say in it. You ain't getting dog fighting in my backyard or my neighborhood. I'll put a stop to that. And the other reason pit bulls get a bad rap is. Again. I'm going to come off as ignorant and white. The hip hop culture. Of seeing a big ass pit bull on a chain. Barking it up and just looking thick and mean. They're a status symbol. You get a big thick pit on a thick ass chain. Looking hard as fuck. You're seen as a bad motherfucker. When in reality all that all the pit bull wants to do is lick your face and sleep on your bed. Like seriously. Pit bulls are not the vicious killers that they're portrayed as. They're not these bad dogs. Right? They get a bad rep. Much like Dobermans get a bad rep. Rottweilers get a bad rep. You know? Because yeah. they're they're big. They're thick. They're, they're hard-looking animals. Right? And they've been used as status symbols and, and gatekeepers to cultures. Yeah. They've been used as fighting dogs because a pit bull, she'll take a motherfucking bear down. Like, I got no worries. Like, someone comes in my house. You come in my house as a guest, my dog's gonna lick your fucking face and drown you in love. You come in my house with bad intentions, I don't feel sorry for you because if I don't get you, that bitch is going to get you. And if that bitch don't get you, the redhead upstairs with the baseball bat's going to get you or any combination of the three. And I think I have a problem with it is because pit bulls are strong and personable. And if you don't have a good command and leadership, a pit bull will kind of push its boundaries. 
like mm. any strong breed any kid will any any intelligent strong opinionated sapient being of any intelligence is going to run roughshod over you if you aren't a strong pack leader and pit bulls need that good example they need that 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 alpha dog that uh, that alpha female in the house to balance them out but then they also need the members of the house to keep them in check too the alphas call the shots but the rest of the pack mates also keep them in line and all too often people who are unprepared get these pit bulls and these big dangerous breeds because they're bad they're tough they're gonna look like a badass motherfucker and then when the pit bull strikes out and 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 gets unbalanced they don't know how to handle it and then the pit bull just gets loose and i think what needs to happen is instead of labeling the breed as bad we need to start being not so pc and not so bitchy and look at people and go you you don't need to you you're not you're not you're not well equipped enough to handle this dog so no you don't get this dog we need to be honest with the people coming to get the dogs and look at them and go you can't handle it pick another dog and yeah. you're gonna get offended and you're gonna get pissed and i don't care you can't handle it you don't get it you ain't gonna give a five-year-old a loaded shotgun and be like there you go timmy play with your gun because that's what a pit bull, a Rottweiler, a Doberman, a German Shepherd is. They're a loaded gun when not balanced. Because they're big, they're strong, and they have massive protective instincts. And if you can't handle it, or you don't want to put the time in, you don't deserve it. Thoughts on uh, pit bulls, bad breeds, or poor leadership, Chris? Oh, well, I mean, we have for all kind of thing with the cats. I mean, pit bulls are actually banned in the UK. Yeah, fuck like, that noise. You're not actually allowed to own or breed or, or family cat pit bulls. I mean, there's, I mean, I was actually just looked it up there. It's a cat. It's under the uh, Dangerous Dog Acts in 1991. There's four dogs that you're not allowed to own in the UK, and it's a pit bull terrier, a Japanese tosser, a doggo Argentino, and a fila Brasileiro. Those, so, are, some bad, actually, those are some badass dogs, though. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. But again, like you said, the dogs are not badass dogs. The owners are terrible owners. Yeah, that's. I mean, my my thing where is I'll I'll never really have a good opinion on this kind of thing because as far as I'm concerned, animals should not be kept as pets anyway. I don't understand the concept of pets. I struggle myself to be able to keep myself going. Why would I bring another animal into that kind of situation? And to be honest, I don't agree. You don't agree with the whole pet thing that lose it chris oh discord's having issues hang on technical difficulties people give us discord's kind of kind of swank wank right now There he goes. Chris is back. What's up, Chris? We lost you. We were back. All right. I just had a big thing there. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of froze like this. All right. That's that's good to know. Um, was my sound coming through? At least no. You you completely just. Nah. All right. You, 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 your your Discord took a shit, which uh, is okay. No, so no, like, right. just, just summarize what you got. 
Yeah. Um, no, what say is me personally, I I wouldn't own a pet. I don't think people should have pets because most people aren't able to take care of a pet. The full point of your pet is that you're gonna give that pet the best possible or the best life. Most people do are not able to give the, the animal the best life possible. So I would honestly say there's at least 90% of the population of the world that should not have an animal. I know on your point you say that um, animals are like, like, like you have to be able to balance and, and be able to train them, make sure that you're the alpha, make sure they know where they are in that pack and all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. it's one of those, like in your argument of people should be able to make a test or have a test to go like, well, you can't handle that kind of dog. This is the type of dogs that you can handle. But you're like, it's one thing being able to handle a dog that's got a pack mentality or it's a, a mean dog or it's an aggressive dog or, or it's a hunting dog or anything like that or they're thymine like a shih tzu and all that kind of stuff. All that does what is open do? up. It, all that opens up is the fact that like, like, say like shih tzus and schnauzers and all that kind of stuff, they are bred to be a lapdog. They are bred and made into that. These things were not nature. So what's happening is these animals are being created for a industry convenience. that really is not needed. Mm. It's like, as people see, oh, I want a cute little dog, I want a cute little this, I want a cute little that, and you're like, but these are not, they're not supposed to be that. These were Hunting that like, like, well, they the were stem wolves. from like wolves. It's like, yeah, they were, like you look at a wolf and you look at wolves. a shih tzu, and you're like, what happened? Oh, how the, what yeah, the exactly. How the fallen? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's like, it, just me personally, I just, it's more on a personal thing. On that, as I said, I find it difficult to fucking keep myself alive some weeks. So, so why would I bring an animal into that situation? But so many other people have that where you're like you're getting an animal because it's a fun thing to have at christmas time or that your child is saying i want this i want that everybody knows that when a child says i want this dog i will look after this dog i will take this dog for a walk that's not going to happen you will be taking care of that dog and if you're not prepared to take care of that dog why the fuck are you getting that dog for that five-year-old yeah and and you you bring up a great point what 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 is a pet right all too often pets are they're 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 substitutions for affection right people get pets because they want to feel love they want to feel that unconditional love that they didn't get or they they feel they weren't given so they get a pet to replace that love that they didn't get and all too that's often a lot of pressure it put on just an animal yeah like that's a lot of they pressure do. Like, that's like turning around and saying something like, oh, I want to date you because I, I'm so unhappy and if I have you in my life, I'll be happy. And you're like, oh, but that's an awful lot of pressure to be putting on somebody else or another animal or something like that. It's just, uh, like, like that's, that's not their job. That's not their problem. Like, you yeah. don't, you failed to get that unconditional love that you looked for and all that kind of stuff. That's a you problem. You have to deal with that. Don't put that shit on somebody else or, a, or an animal or anything like that. Like, right, but but you're you're brushing aside the fact that humans are self-centered idiots. That's, no, that's what it comes that. down to. But you can't really put it down as humans are self-centered because, like, 
this argument or this debate right now, it's like I'm not. So right. there's, a, a, there's a percentage that yeah, they're just time me, like they're just that's just how it is. And I would like to, I'd, I'd like to hope that there's a small there's a small portion of the 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 population of the world that that's their mentality of this animal because i didn't feel loved as a child or i never felt loved in this situation right. let's get an animal to think i'd like to think that the majority of people that get a pet is because they go i'm gonna love this pet with all my heart i'm gonna make sure fight tooth and nail that no matter what this pet is given the best fucking life possible but yeah there's so many horror stories that you hear where you go, that isn't what's happening. And is it going to be one of the ones where you're going to have to reset the system and go, right, no one's allowed anything. No one's allowed a pet. No one's allowed an animal. No one's allowed a dog, a cat, a fish. You're not allowed anything because as a whole, you cannot handle it. This right. species is not developed enough to be able to control another species because we can't control our own species. That's why we have prisons. That's why we have this. That's why we have that. Because your human race cannot handle themselves. Why would you put something like that in charge of another species? Yeah, you you make a really good point in the fact that humans humans have this uh, this existential need for for control and affection, and and we we do brush that off on our pets. Now, uh, I can speak from my experience of being a a, a pet owner. And uh, somebody um, who grew up with pets off and on. Before we brought Nick's home, we had the conversation. Is she with us till she dies? If the answer is no, not happening, right? Yeah. Can we provide the best medical care like we would for our kids? Yes or no? Yes, we can. Is her nutrition going to be a priority like our nutrition is? Because... If you know anything about me and you see on my Twitter and my Instagram, yeah. I don't I don't do craft macaroni. I don't do <laughs> box bullshit. So why would I do that shit for my dog? Cause that bitch gets high grade fucking high end protein. That dog eats better than I do some nights. So I see your point. There's a portion of the population that should not have a pet whatsoever because they can't handle it. Then there's yeah. that middle ground who realize that they shouldn't get a pet but do anyway because they want that affection and then there's even a smaller part like me and my girlfriend a few other people i know who can provide for that animal yeah and much like you can you can apply this ramble to children there are a lot of people oh, who should yeah. have fucking kids oh but they do anyway and it's unfair it's unfair to the animal to put the expectations on the animal, but then it's also unfair to punish humanity as a whole. Like you said, you can't reset the system. You know what I mean? So, anyway, that's my ramble. We're going to move on to Chris's ramble. I'm going to hit his audio cue and let him do his thing. Which he... I, I made this ramble just to piss him off, so here you go. Yeah. What did he say? Alright, hit it, Chris. <laughs> well, my ramble is probably not as hard-hitting as yours, but it could actually be quite hard-hitting. Um, what it is, is I'll, I'll not go into kind of details and names and that kind of stuff, because I don't know how how 
because it's right. for somebody else, and I don't want to start saying things out of line and stuff like that because right. it's, wanna... it's somebody else's story. But there's another streamer that um, I mean, Tim will know quite a, a, a good bit of this because he follows the streamer as well. Um, but they've been going through quite a lot of things with like stalking and stuff like that, and it's been really, really bad and that. And they made videos with other streamers kind of talking on these points, and they were talking about how the the they felt as if the police weren't doing enough in the UK and this wasn't happening and that wasn't happening. So I kind of took a kind of hold of another part. Um, one of my friends for school is actually a, a politician. He's a, a voted in a minister for the Scottish government and the UK government. So I wrote to him back in September, just kind of outlining what was going on and how this wasn't being done, that wasn't being done, what could be done to be able to broad it out and stuff like that. And they wrote back to me, kind of thing, like, we're going to put it through, it's a big thing, we'll make sure this goes to the, the governments and stuff like that. And today I got an email back with oh. an apology saying, oh, really, really sorry, it's taking so long to get back. We have, and you're like, well, with the pandemic and this and that, I could understand to this thing, man. But the email where I was reading, it was literally, all I could see in it was how much of a cop-out it was getting made to be. Right. And it was like, um, I'll, I'll kind of be able to give you a couple of wee kind of points in it that it uh, that really thing me because there was just a few detailed points that they thing me out that just made me kind of go, you've literally just said this in this email to fill a void. Like it's not as if you've actually taken the time to thing me. Um, but basically, in their their email letter that they've sent out. Um, they'd spoke about how like they'd sent the letter to like the minister for safeguarding and this and that kind of stuff, and then they went into a whole two paragraphs about stalking is a terrible, insidious crime that can have a devastating impact on victims' well-being. This government is committed to protecting and supporting victims and is determined to do everything it can to stop perpetrators at the earliest opportunity. Case one, they will do everything it can to stop perpetrators at the earliest opportunity, right? And then they find me, it's like, oh, I'm grateful for you showing the story. I can only imagine how distressing the experience has been for them. Uh, I must explain, right, this is where it's like, it literally in one, one paragraph, it went from this government is committed to protecting and supporting victims and is determined to do everything it can to stop perpetrators at the earliest opportunity. I must explain that neither government ministers nor officials can intervene in the proceedings of individual cases. Like a, so you've literally went from telling us how you're going to do everything to that you can't do anything. I can assure you that this is not because of any lack of concern, but because to do so would undermine the principle that the police and criminal justice system are entirely operational and de independent of the government. And you're like a, so what you're saying is... The government that creates the laws cannot do anything about the laws. And then the other argument that we were making was that it wasn't that the laws were in place because we know the laws are in place. There's some laws that still have to be developed and kind of brought up to speed with 2020 and how the online world is kind of moving faster. But it's the fact that the police were not doing the job 
Like, no, the the streamer had said that they'd contacted the police and gave the information, and they got a letter back and that kind of stuff saying that they weren't able to get the information from Twitch and all that for like online presence and profiles and that. She or they then contacted Twitch, who then said that all the police had to do was fill in a form and they would mm -hmm. be given all the information needed. The police yeah, I know then, who you're talking about. when they went to the police then stated that it was not in the taxpayer's uh, interest to follow up. And you're like, well, they're a taxpayer. Why yeah, is it not exactly. within their interest? There's millions of people in the UK alone that are being stopped. Is it not within their interest that something yeah. gets done? But it's the fact that in this letter, to fill this void that they've decided to give, they literally list off things like, in 2012, we created two stalking offences to highlight stalking as specific behaviour, and through the Policing and Crime Act 2017, the maximum sentences have been raised from five to ten years. The law is clear that what is illegal offline is also illegal online. We're not debating that. At no point was I debating that. Right. So there is robust legislation in place to deal with internet trolls, cyber stalking and harassment. At the Queen's speech in 19th December 2019, the government committed to develop legislation to improve internet safety for all. Again, we are not debating that. We are not saying that's not what you're doing. We are saying that the police is not doing what you're doing. They literally, this is the kicker. This is what really drove this deep for me. Now, we've reached out to the Scottish government and we reached out to the UK government as a whole. The UK government, right, like they're supposed to see, oversee everything, then put in this letter. Policing is, of course, devolved in Scotland, and I trust that you will be raising these concerns locally. This is not a local issue. This is not a problem within Scotland. We are reaching out to the entirety of the UK government as a problem. And they literally were trying to tell us that the issue with that is that they cannot control the policing in Scotland. Like, well, that's not the problem. We need to control all of the policing because they're not doing their job. That is what's happening. But they literally list off a whole thing about how they've given the police... Um, like in January this year, we introduced new civil stalking protection orders. These enable early police intervention, pre-conviction to address stalking behaviours before they become deep-rooted or escalate. Stalking protection orders can be used in relation of any type of stalk or stalking. Bye bye bye. It goes through carry a maximum sentence for five years. I understand that this is extremely important that the police are provided with the correct materials, and that. The streamer feels that the police are not talking or taking preventative measures in her case. In April 2019, the College of Policing provided a set of new advice products on stalking for police first responders and call handlings. The Home Office also gave $4.1 through the Police uh, uh, Transformation Fund and the MOPAC, which is like the Mayor's Office for Police and Crime. Um, to work in partnership with the Susie Lampler Trust and that, that with the three police forces for a pioneering project working with perpetrators of stalking. So they've literally told me in this letter that they've put a lot of legislation in, that the police have all these resources. And all I can take from that is you have told me that the police have everything they ha need to do this and they're not doing it. Yeah, that's... Like, they've it, literally it, it, taken the time to, to tell me... And it amounts like, to yeah, we 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 did things, and now it's up to the police to do it. And the police are like, 
Well, our hands are tied because it's not a priority because nobody's fucking dead or raped yet. Yeah. I know no, that, I, that, I know that, the streamer you're, I know the streamer you're talking about, by the way. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. insane. Yeah, and it's the fact that that's not the only streamer that's doing it. And the worst thing is, yeah. is it's not even a streamer problem. There's no. people like there's like um, one of the, the 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 news stories that the streamer keeps or, or would bring up now is uh, there was a woman that her ex boyfriend broke in would break into her house and watch her sleeping. She contacted the police over and over and over again. The the boyfriend put a tracker on her car so he knew exactly where she was if she was in or out the house. And thing that and she kept on going. She kept on going. And the police told her that that. He hadn't done anything, and he walked into her house and killed her. Now, if the police had taken what they knew and had done something about it, she would still be alive today. But because of the police incompetence, and it's just today, just proper drilled at home that at one point you were like, ah, it's just police incompetence. They don't know. They don't. They just don't understand the concept that the online world has. But to then find out that the police actually have every resource available to them. They've been given millions to be able to prevent this kind of stuff, but yet are not doing something. It's just a kind of like, well, the government's just kind of flung the police under the bus then. Because yep. they've just told me that they have everything to be able to do. They're doing nothing. So is that, yeah. who are we supposed to blame? Do we blame the legislation or do we blame the cops? Well, part of the problem is um, policing is reactionary. And not, uh, not, um, not proactive. So policing yeah. is a reactionary uh, action. So like a lot of times, especially here in America, I can be like, "Yo, I know this guy's a fucking psycho, and he's been doing X, Y, and Z. What, what are you gonna do about it?" We get the response, "Well, he hasn't done anything yet. Call yeah. us back when he does something." Yeah. I don't need him to do something. I need you to do something before he does it. Because yeah. we have, there's a thing that we have here, and it's like it's a joke. Because it was in, it was a wee joke in the newspaper and that kind of stuff, and it was like this m fake news story, and it was uh, a guy was in his bedroom and he could hear something out in his garden, so he looked out his window and there was three guys trying to break into his shed, so he phoned the police and said. There's three people trying to break into my shed. I need you to send somebody out. And the, the dispatcher says, uh, well, have they got into the shed yet? No. So, uh, well, there's nothing that we can do. So uh, until they've done something, we can't do something. So he phones back a couple of minutes later. And he's like, uh, look, these three people, they've now broken into my shed. So, uh, well, have they stolen anything yet? So, uh, no, they're still in the shed. So, uh, well, we can't do anything. So he then phones them back and goes, look, it's okay. You don't have to send anybody. I've went out and I've killed the three of them. Seven police officers and cars then show up yeah. and arrest the three men in the shed. And when the copper asked, I thought you, we were told that you'd came out and killed somebody. And the guy's like, no, I was told that you would come out and help. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so all like, too often. That's 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 the thing. It's it's yeah. it's the reactionary nature of policing. It, it's 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 an unfortunate thing because. All too often, they're held to the standard of, well, nothing happened. There was a... It's victim blaming. It is. There was a um, there was a famous rapper that just came out with a song, and one of the lyrics in the song was, um, 
order food and call the cops, see which one shows up first. And the fact of the matter is, that's a fucking reality right now. Is like, yeah, because policing is such a reactionary thing. I could call Uber Eats and they get here before the cops would. Because the cops can't do anything until shit's happened. We don't need yeah. you to do shit when it's happened already. We need you to be able to act when there's credible threats and credible evidence that something is going to happen. But then you get into the morality. Well, do, well, do we do we arrest people that we think are going to commit crimes? Or do do we do we violate people's privacy to prevent crimes that may happen? So it's the I don't think that you would have to invade in someone's privacy to prevent crimes. Crime prevention should be one number one kind of target is that it, you don't have to be in a thing, but like, see if you receive a phone call from someone that says this person has done this or this person is threatening to do that. It shouldn't be a, well, we'll wait and see if he does it. It's, it should yeah, be a, we'll come down and we'll take them away. Right? And put in place something like, because there's always two sides to every story. You could turn up and this and this person's like, oh, this person would say that they would do that. See if there's no evidence that it says that. Then it's understandable to go, it might be a, an overreaction or something like that. But in other cases where it's like, people are getting like text messages or if you take a photo of somebody that's breaking into your garden you send it to the police the police should be coming out and going it shouldn't be a well we'll have to wait and see if he steals more than one thing or we have to wait and see if he does turn up to your door and stabs you through it or we have to wait like it's the we have to wait instead of just just if somebody like it's always it's innocent until proven guilty that is the way it should be it always should be that but we shouldn't have to wait until they become guilty to be able to understand that there's a problem. That's like, a great point. You can, if, if somebody phones you three times and three diff, or three different people phone you and say, this person is, is going to do this, go and deal with it. Don't just yeah. sit back and go, well, we'll wait. So, because surely to God, it isn't about paperwork. Surely to God, it isn't. A, oh, if we wait until they've done it, it's less paperwork for us to have to fill out. But it's like, it just seems to be a constant, like with this letter as well, they'll, they'll write things or they'll say things to fill a void that they just don't want to answer. And I, I feel as if, like you were saying about like the, the Wall Street thing, we're getting to a point where society is starting to have a bit more intelligence and ask the questions that should be. Like here... Um, there was, during the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, there was a whole big uproar about our NHS, which is where National Health Service, which mm. is free all people, or people that pay into the, the National Health Service that pay their taxes and stuff like that. Right. Um, and during the pandemic, they were coming out, like, the NHS were coming out and saying their hospitals couldn't handle the influx of these people. They couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. They needed help, they needed help. And every week, they started this whole, we're going to go out and we're going to clap for the carers. So people would go out on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock and clap for the NHS as a kind of um, around the country, thank you for everything that you do, which is a, a great thing. Like, they should be thanked. But the yep. problem was, there was is they were, at, they were demanding that the nurses in the UK, they have to pay a fee every year to be a nurse. Oh, like for a, their like licenses, yeah, they okay. need to pay 
to be a nurse and they're being asked to go in the front line now they've put holds on like wages and stuff like that that they can't get pay rises and stuff like that now a doctor or a nurse can go and do easily 60 hours a week Mm-hmm. And yeah, they'll get easy. paid for forty hours, like somebody yeah, else. That's bullshit. And that is that. That's bullshit. Not kind of stuff. No, I'm not a firm believer that if you go for a job, like if you go and they say you have to train for seven years, and you go right, that's perfect. And they go, but after seven years, when you go a job, this is the the wage that comes with. It. You cannot go for seven years and then go. Well, I want more money because you were told seven years ago that was what right. the wage was for that job. It's, that's like turning up and like going into the job center and saying, right, what jobs are that? And they go, well, you can do this job, but it's seven pound fifty an hour. You can't. Right. And he's robot again. I love it. Why? Well, he's in Scotland, so there's gonna be tech issues. I'll be back in like twenty seconds. But look at that face! Look at that face! <laughs> oh, we lost him. He gone! Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back, ladies and gentlemen. He's coming back. Yeah, now you get back. Now you get to see two of me until his camera kicks in. There it is! <laughs> yeah, I don't... I... But no, um, I I I know where you're going with it. I agree. I think the the fact that you so many things are contradictory to what logic would state that yeah. if if a nurse is on the front line, they should deserve respect, but they should also be paid what they're worth. Like, it's the same argument for an educator. An educator is by far, by far, one of the most important professions in the world. And they make less than a burger flipper. How does that make yeah. sense? Well, so that was I the kind of thing. That was the kind of thing. The way I was saying it is, like, when this was all going on and the things and that kind of stuff, it's shown up that the NHS was severely underfunded. They were not getting the funds needed to be able to handle this pandemic. And there was a, a, a chap that thing me that he was 101 years old and he'd done a charity thing where he was going to walk the I length of his that, garden. Yep. I heard about that. And he raised something like £26 million pounds yeah, it was for the NHS. And it was an amazing thing. It brought the country together and everybody celebrated. He died last week. Um, and Everybody was taught us that he needed a send-off and this kind of stuff and all that. But as much as it was an amazing thing, all that I could think of is the UK people that work, pay their taxes and pay their national insurance in order to fund the NHS. The NHS was not being funded. It should not be left to the public of the country to raise charity money when that is a government-funded thing. The government should go, or if the NHS turn around and go, we actually need two billion a year to be able to do this. You only giving us one. It shouldn't be up to the public to raise that money. The government should go, well, we'll give you two billion a year, and yeah, that's where sure. I'm meaning in the whole prevention thing is that people are too 
were too focused on it had to be someone else to blame, somebody else to blame, somebody else to blame, when now people should be are starting to kind of ask the questions that should be of, it's not the questions of uh, how can we raise this money, it's why do we have to raise this money when the government is what it should be and then in the case with the street the, the stalking and stuff like that and the police is like that it shouldn't be what can we do to help the police it should be why are the police not doing what they've to do when they have the resources available yeah exactly and and, and that again it comes down to a lot of it is the bureaucratic red tape a lot of it is the politics behind it a lot of it is the 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 moral quandary of should we or shouldn't we and then you get the politics involved you get the politicians involved you get the, the public sentiment involved and all too often you get this stagnation yeah and we need to find ways to cut out stagnation so that the nhs or or the, the healthcare system can get the funding it needs we should be able to have enough oversight that the police can be proactive instead of reactive we a lot of it comes down to just countries have been going on the same way for so long yeah. and the wheels of democracy and bureaucracy turn so slow that in order to adapt they're adapting to something 20 years ago when we've already moved on from that and i think yeah. that until we find the balance between all of those factors, we're not going to we're not going to have the answers that we need, but we'll get the answers that we get, and that's not necessarily the right or wrong answer at this time. Yeah, if you get what I'm saying. Oh no, definitely. Like it is going to be a collective thing, and I, I do feel as if society as a whole is moving in the right direction it's just is it moving fast enough for the way the world is going that's where you need to ask the question right yeah i agree um but yeah that's 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 one of those things that it's one of those things that are on the one hand bigger than us and we need infrastructure to be allowed to uh, make that change. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it, it's within our power because if we elect leaders that can do our will, the changes that need to happen will happen. Yeah. So as we're running short on time, I think we're gonna we're gonna skip game news and releases this week and jump straight into the happy ending so that we can kind of end on a high note. This is our first episode. We're kind of feeling things out um yeah. next week we'll you know i don't think we'll have so so we'll have big topics but i think we'll have a, a little more feel how we talk so we're gonna jump to the yeah. happy ending you want happy ending <laughs> okay okay oh i love that transition so for those of you that are new to the podcast which all of you are the happy ending is how chris and i have decided to end on a high note uh we need to take a, a short brief little topic kind of describe to you a happy story that we found or came across give a quick thought on it uh we'll then plug our bullshit, and then we'll get you out of here so chris 
You first. You're happy ending, my buddy. Well, this it was a bit of a kind of rough one to try and actually find something that just seemed to kind of hug on the heartstrings. And the weirdest thing about this story is that it actually comes from Nike, the actual like sportswear brand maker okay. that everybody a couple of years ago absolutely hated. And what yeah, it was right. is the news story that came out is how they've made a hands-free shoe for arthritic, disabled, and pregnant people to easily yes. slip on. So as I was actually reading it, and this made it actually even and better, is that there are, it's called the Flyies Go. Uh, okay. It's the first totally hands-free shoe enveloping and releasing your feet slowly through natural motion, a bit like Tony Stark putting on his Iron Man suit. That right. is what they go with. So straight away, I was sold. Um, but um, they do kind of sign me in uh, a bit more. They sign me as like a, is, um, the, a top night designer said it's for pregnant women in their third trimester, arthritis patients, or those that have lost some or all the use of their arms, such as stroke victims or injured military veterans. And the more and more that went on, I was like, well, that, that's such a great thing. It's, I'd love to know the the kind of background as to why, like, why now? And this is where it kind of hit, I kind of, it just shows you that these major companies that everybody always, like, blames for so much that goes on, like, like during the pandemic, like, like you said earlier on with the, the pandemic and that kind of stuff, it didn't hit the likes of Walmart and Amazon and stuff like that. And, but you, you, people don't realise in the background that there's a lot of things that do. And the reason why Nike made this is it says, uh, Toby Hartfield recounted the story of in how in 2008, the world's largest athletic shoe and sportswear company received the unfortunate news that their very first employee had suffered a stroke and could no longer use one of his arms. They were then right. put in charge of designing a special shoe to accommodate one of their most treasured staff members and came up with the one involving a zipper and Velcro. So basically, this conglomerate created a shoe based on the fact that their very first employee couldn't use his arm anymore due to right. having a stroke. So this whole mentality that these big companies do not care, this should be enough to go. Well, they do actually care. They care about their own. They care about the people that actually help them, work for them, work with them and stuff like that. Some of them do, for um, sure. Yeah, and I just thought when it, it kind of, they, they go on about it and kind of explain the shoe and stuff like that, and it was just one of those stories that I was I was reading and I thought, it's such an amazing thing to see that, like, there's so many people that that can come under and that have not been able to have a kind of, like, something that people like us can take for granted so easily, that yep. putting on a shoe and... It's hard for the, me. Yeah, exactly. So you, it kind of opens up your eyes that wee bit more to kind of go, well, something as simple as that can be something so difficult for somebody else. And this company seen that and thought, we're going to put money into making sure that a very small, like, it's, it's not a big demographic, but they still made it for that demographic. Right. It's like this company has put money into doing something for a small demographic that will make the world a difference to these people. And it's just, I, me personally, I thought it was just a great 
feel good story all round to kind of end on. Yeah, it is when you when you uh, when when I saw it in the document, I looked into it and um, seeing seeing a, an innovation like that, it it does give me hope that not not every corporation is a black hearted fucking soul sucking demon, um, mm-hmm. because one of my best friends growing up still to this day, he's wheelchair bound due to CP, he he can't walk, he's got to be picked up, go to the toilet, all that. Got to put his shoes on. You know, he's got to have people do it for him. Um, Me personally, my right hand doesn't work. Tying shoes, hard as fuck. The fact that they designed a shoe that's easy on, easy off for people with arthritis or like pregnant women especially who... Do you know how embarrassing it is for some women to not be able to tie their shoes because they're pregnant? Like, I've known a lot of women who are pregnant and I've helped a lot of them. The littlest thing of not being able to tie their own shoes can it makes them feel horrendous. Yeah. So a, a, an innovation like this that makes a shoe, to, something simple, just a shoe to put on, put off, that they can do themselves with no assistance, gives them another sense of agency. It gives them part of their, their identity back, their own personal power. Not just the pregnant women, but the arthritis patients, the guys like me who have literally one hand, it, yeah, like you said, it's the littlest thing, but it's so empowering and to have a mega corporation like Nike, who's all about the profit because they have factories in Indonesia where they pay their kids 10 cents an hour to make your $190 fucking shoes can make a shoe that people with disabilities can put, can put on easy. Now, here's the yeah. caveat that I must say this. It's a great story, but. Let's not get it twisted. They're gonna sell those shoes for like ninety bucks. Oh well, it does actually stay in the news story. I think does it? This, I didn't. Uh, see, I didn't see a price. So uh, it'll be released in a slow rollout this year, starting at one hundred and twenty dollars. But Come on. again, what you have to remember is one hundred and twenty for a, a Nike shoe. I mean, it's still a Nike design. It's still got the name. It's still got the timing and all that kind of stuff. Like I can't kind of like. It's, Nike's never been a company that I've really went out my way to buy because I've just always yeah. thought my mindset is a shoe's a shoe. If it does its job, if it's seven pound, if it's seventy pound, it's it, it things like that. But it, for the the sake of a hundred and twenty dollars in my mind, if something as simple as that, a hundred and twenty dollars is nothing if it means that you're able to put on and off a shoe without yeah. making it feel thing me and it is one of those ones that especially for Nike 120 dollars for the shoe you know it's well made you know it's going to last it's 120 dollars that could easily last you three four years so i think in this instance it's one of the few times where i would say the price kind of as much as it's a bit much steep for what i would pay for a shoe i still right. i think it is a a, a decent pay price for a Nike the design for what it would be used for especially when you think that it's a complete new design and how it works and you have to remember that there is still people there that deserve to be paid for the work yeah and but again like i said it, it i i met i i have mixed feelings about it because 
you can get a quality shoe and not pay $120 for it. You know, and I, I just yeah. think that because it's Nike and it's a brand and it's premium, they could afford to offer this shoe at a lower price point. If they really want to do goodwill, you can still offer it at a lower price point and make money. Oh, definitely. It's a, it's a great thing. I love the story. It's a brilliant story, but yet there's still that corporate stuff where you're like, you, you were there. You had the right thing, but just that bring the price point down and you Don't get me wrong on. what you have to remember is this isn't nike that's came out and said that it's going to be 120 dollars this is what this news story oh, is they okay. so we can't really make like as for all we know they could be turning around and go like if you want to buy this shoe okay yourself if i mean but for people that have the disability or this or that if you reach out to us we will accommodate yeah that like, there's a nice. lot of the kind of background stuff that we don't actually know so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to kind of i wouldn't like to kind of attack nike or anybody no, else involved not. in this to, to before the kind of the, the all the story comes out right and i'm not i'm just saying that like i mean it's a it's a great story i love the fact that nike took the time to to do something for their employee it, it's brilliant yeah. And I get I guess I'm voicing my fear that they have this great product and there's this amazing sentiment behind it. Don't cock it up. Don't cock it up. Do it right. I can understand where you would come from because like these big companies haven't kind of gave people the confidence that they'll come out for the working man. Like right. so, like I, I completely like your argument is completely justified. Like I, I, I wouldn't think of that. So right, it's just and a kind of a big thing. I, I would like to see more come out of it before yes. Yes. I start putting it because uh, even going with that, the shoe could be completely useless. Right, one hundred percent, one hundred. So it's it's I, I would I would like to at least have a bit more. I mean, this was this story was made on the fourth of February, so you're literally talking five days. Yeah, that this has ended up being announced for sure. Oh, I definitely. Def- I definitely want to see where it goes, and and it, I I love the fact that Nike did it for their guy, right? Yeah, this is the guy. He rode with us. He died with us. He's he he was there for us. Let's do something for this guy. He bled for the brand, right? Yeah. Let's do right by him. I just want them to do right by him and everybody else. And that's that's why I want to keep an eye on us. And, and when I read the story, that was, I, I love the story and the way you brought it up and the way you pitched it. And like I said, I just, I couldn't shake that. Don't cock it up. Don't cock yeah. it up. That's all I'm saying. Because you're there. It's amazing. It's the right move. It's a brilliant innovation. Don't fuck it up, man. Because you can get <laughs> so much goodwill from this. You can help so many people. So many people would feel empowered. This is the right move. Don't cock it up, Nike. Don't cock it up. Because <laughs> you're right there. you got to win. Bring it home. That's all I'm saying. I definitely want to keep my eyes on it. It's great. Yeah. Um. Excellent, happy ending. Great story. I, I really, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Now, mine is more on a cultural level. I posted that uh, in, in 40 years, for the first time in 40 years, the, the Historical Museum of Pompeii is now reopened. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, 
for those of you in chat that might not know or you're, you're you're going through history or whatever i don't know who's all here i don't pay attention to the view count pompeii was a city in oh excuse me was a city in italy that was buried by mount vesuvius just woof, wiped off the map just buried just gone obliterated right and their cultural their cultural heritage of that museum wasn't completely it wasn't completely buried right but an earthquake caused significant damage to the museum which caused it to be shut down and a lot of the citizens of pompeii lost access to their culture and a lot of times culture is learned through going to a museum like in scotland you got castles and you got shit like that that tells you the history of your country over here in america we've got museums in our cities our city history our our nation's history when you are denied access to your history your cultural heritage your cultural identity it leaves a hole and the fact that just recently the pompeii art museum has been renovated completely to the fact that it can now be reopened to the public gives those young that next generation of pompeians or people of pompeii or the the surrounding areas those those families that were had their roots in Pompeii can now yeah. go back and see where those roots stem from. They can see the articles. They can see the history of their heritage for the first time in 40 years. 40 years is a generation. Because a generation yeah. technically is considered 36 years. Biologically, a generation is clocked at 36 years. So you have a generation that had no access, first-hand access, let me clarify, to their cultural heritage. And now they do. And it's amazing that the work they did restoring it, the exhibits, I looked a little bit into some of the stuff when I found the article. It's, it's amazing because me, I love museums. I love history. I love heritage. I love culture. I love, I love learning about that stuff. And to think that I couldn't go to the museums that I went to as a kid and learn the stories and see the artifacts and and look at where I'm descended from, I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine not being able to connect with my cultural heritage in a way. And I'm not one of these guys who's like, yo, Irish pride, baby. Or, uh, you know, Native American First Nation, blah, blah, blah. I'm not one of those guys, right? And if you are, you are. I'm not bagging on you. I'm not taking shots. But some of you need to settle the fuck down with that shit. Calm the fuck down. But I did. I went to museums constantly as a kid. And I learned everything I could. And to not have access to that would make would definitely make me feel like I missed out on something. It would make me feel less... Uh of an identifying a lot of my grounding comes from where i grew up you know yeah. salt of the earth midwest you know beer country uh steel working you know all that shit i'm not those things i'm a tech guy but i have that work ethic and i learned about it from going to these exhibits and handling these artifacts and to to not have access to it would would have definitely deprived not only myself but my children of a unique experience and to see that pompeii is finally reopened and those yeah. those lost generations can connect it it 
made me smile. It made me smile for the history nerd in me. It uh, it made me smile for the fact that people who lost their heritage for so long can uh, reconnect with it on a level and maybe grow a little closer to their older generation. Because yeah. I grew, I got an affection for the older generation by seeing their struggle, hearing the stories, looking at the equipment compared to what I had. My grandfather didn't have a webcam. My grandfather didn't have a laptop or a fucking smartphone. I do. But I got to see what he had to work with. I got to learn of his experience, not only through him, but through seeing artifacts of his time and, and, and going to a museum and talking to experts and, and being able to actually connect with those, with those, with those artifacts and those stories. So, I mean, yeah, what's your, what's, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I looked it up just after, um, like I'd read you had actually said it, um, and it was the first time I'd actually heard of the kind. I mean, I've learned about the the Mount Vesuvius and the Pompeii disaster and stuff like that, um, but when I was actually reading this story, like you talked about how in 1980 the earthquake had hit, and for 36 years it's remained unopened. And then 2016, they opened it up the center with the the temporary stuff, and then now that's them starting to reopen it as a thing. But one of the other things that just added to this story was that it literally says the building was seriously damaged in 1943 by bombing during World yep. War II, and they managed to reopen it after five years, and then. It was opened up until 1980 when the earthquake hit. This building has been a constant, you yep. know, not an issue, but they've constantly had to redo work that they'd done before and stuff like that. And considering what the story of Pompeii uh, back in, was it 79 AD? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. And the, the, the eruption in Mount Vesuvius. So it just it just seemed to captivate what is Pompeii, that these things happened, and no matter what, they rebuilt, they rebuilt, they rebuilt, they rebuilt, and that was it. And it is, it's just the fact that they've got new uh, artifacts and stuff like that as well, and just to see, like, like or listen to you kind of explain just how important it must be to these people that are now getting to be able to see their kind of their heritage, their their history, um, these artifacts that people from thousands of years ago used and kind of made them who they were. And as and as you said, it's like I mean, being Scottish, it's like, uh, it, it's it is it's a deep heritage for us, like, uh, especially. It's like uh, like with, with our history and we're, and everything about it. Um, I would I would hate to have the thought that that could all have been taken away, that for a generation you wouldn't have learned about the history of your people and stuff like that. And as I, I think it is a great, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to hear that after so long, these artifacts and people are, it's, it's almost as if they've been finally taken home to where it should be. 
yeah it, I, I thought it was i thought it was a really interesting story the history that they kind of laid out of the museum like you said like the fucking world war ii bombing and the earthquake it, it's this yeah. antique this 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 museum that this this cultural icon has been constantly having to be rebuilt constantly having to be worked on it just speaks to the resilience and the the importance of having those cultural touchstones so much so that they rebuilt it again yeah and again and again and again and again just yeah. so that the next generation could have that callback and have that connection to what came before them because all too often nowadays we live in a disposable society oh your your cell phone dies after two years oh get a fucking new one your 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 bags in the bin toss that shit out get a new one your your sneakers a year later they fall apart go buy new ones yeah. bro back then they didn't get sneakers bro you had that shit's made you got one one even Maybe. at that, you might have no identity. Yeah. Like. But we live in such a disposable society and a culture that no longer, and I'm generalizing, so don't come at me, no longer values permanency. We're, hmm. We have planned obsolescence. We have disposable culture. Oh, you 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 don't want to you don't want to raise the cow and slaughter it yourself and cure it go to the supermarket pick up a side of beef toss it out when you're done mm -hmm. oh you don't want to do that there's a mickey donald's on the, on the corner go get yourself a big mac for 99 cents yeah the world is definitely it's became uh it's more about convenience than anything else that's where it's kind of came to is that everything has to be at your bet and call so you think of like 24-hour stores, 24-hour restaurants, delivery service. It's a constant convenience, kind of. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be all bad. Like No, it doesn't. We should be in a place where we're making living as easy as possible and it's as convenient as possible. So I definitely agree that it's there is a, a, a small percentage that just don't understand how it's supposed to be but at the same time i don't think you can blame them fully that no, the, the world and society nowadays is just it's convenience so you can't blame someone that's it's taking advantage of that but it is it, it just goes to show that the world is moving along to kind yeah. of suit I, I think I think to your point is you, you, you can't necessarily blame them, but what needs to happen is there needs to be a review of best practices in that convenience. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We, we, we need to review what the cost of convenience is. Yeah. What are we sacrificing for said convenience? Like, yeah, there was a report that came out five years ago done by Harvard Medical that said humans have lost the ability to memorize what we could have memorized hundreds of years ago. Back in ancient Greece, people memorized 5,000 pages or more of liter literature, oral history, performance. Nowadays, mm -hmm. kids can't memorize seven fucking digits on a phone. 
Yeah. Is that the kid's fault or is that society's fault because technology has made it to where we don't need to memorize 5,000 pages of literature? <laughs> I think in my eyes is that it's not so much society or the child's fault or to blame. Right. I think it's more that a, a thousand years ago, like, people were able to kind of memorize this and this and that. And now it's not that they don't, it's that they don't need to. But it's right. my question would be is we're at a point where you do not need to memorize 5,000 pages of literature because you can look it up on your phone. But we should then be using that free space of your mind for something else that we don't have the convenience of. The problem that there is is that if it's not convenient, people don't want to like be a part of it whereas back then if it was inconvenient you worked on it you made it convenient we're now at a point where people don't want to create things that are convenient because if it's not already convenient why would they be bothered about it and there's very few people that are actually going right well like like when you were talking about what's the cost of the kind of like the convenience so i it's things like when you go to like certain stores, like especially in Japan, where but I can't remember if it was Japan or if it was somewhere else, but it was a picture that I'd seen. And what was happening is they'd taken an orange, taken the rind off the orange, placed it in a plastic container, and were selling it as convenient oranges. Because if only an orange came within its own packaging, I saw that and photo. That it is where Japan. it's like. It was that is just too far in the convenience of people can't even just peel an orange. Now you've created all this plastic that was not needed. You did not necessarily need that to house an orange because you decided to take it off as natural packaging. Yeah. Like that is just completely insane to me. And that's where I think the problem stems in it is that convenience has its place if you're going to work on what is not convenient and that kind of then touches back on the nike kind of thing is that there was an inconvenience and they have worked on it to make sure that that is no longer an inconvenience but there's so much that is still basic things that nobody wants to work on because they don't think it's an inconvenience Yeah, and 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 uh, to bring it back to Pompeii, um, part of the reason that I I think the museum reopening and and the cultural aspirations of being able to reconnect is without those touchstones and the journey, we can lose ourselves to convenience. We yes. can lose ourselves to well it's here now why why do i care yeah and something as 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 monumental of staying and rebuilding the pompeii antiquium so that people can go back and look at it it just touches that everything we have now we stand on the shoulders of giants and everything that will come, they stand on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that, oh my, as I go all weird on me, hang on. There we go. 
my chroma key kind of weirded out for a minute there. Um, <laughs> but if we lose our base, there's nothing to build. Yeah. You can't have convenience without struggle. You can't have success without failure. You can't have life without death, and you can't have progress without loss. And for Pompeii to be like, we get it. We will re we will rebuild it, and it will be greater. Harkens yeah. back to, we ain't nothing without a foundation. And now they have a foundation again. And yeah, you can say, oh, docs, well, they can Google their history and blah, blah, blah. Go but there's nothing like being... Like, you can't see or gather the essence that that history kind of is. I mean, I'm I'm similar. I love going to the, I always went to the, the, the museums. Anytime I go to a new city or a new country, the first thing I look for is the National Museum because I want to see the history because the history is what made these people or this city, or this country, or this culture, what it is, and you'll never be able to understand the culture of a country unless you look at their, their history, because the society that is represented now is a far different reach from what their culture is. And that's why I think it's so important to have the likes of this uh, Pompeii Museum or any other museum and that people need to start touching back on their roots, start seeing, look, they they don't really just do. read about your history, go and see your history, go and learn about your history because the history of you is what made you. Yep. It might not just be you personally, but it would have made you, like, like you said about being uh, a Wisconsin boy and all that kind of stuff. Yep. The and history of that area is so different. Even though it's still part of the same country, it's so different from other parts of the United States. Like You look yep. at Scotland, England and Wales and how different our cultures are, even though we share an island. Yep. And you're like, but there's not enough people that go and see that history. Just go and see, go outside and just breathe it in. Experience it. Yep. Yeah. And I I'll add a I'll add a final caveat to that. Learn all your history. Mm -hmm. Learn the dirty, dark shit that makes you uncomfortable. Don't just learn about the achievements. Don't just learn about, oh, we built this, we did that. Learn about the yeah. Trail of Tears. Learn about yeah. the, the, the fucking Tulsa massacre that occurred here in the States. Learn about the Klan. Learn about the rise of Hitler. Learn about the English occupation of Scotland. Don't shy away from that. Because when you shy away from it, you don't learn the lessons that history can teach you. Yeah. And when you deny... When you deny stuff that makes you uncomfortable, and when you deny the dark side, when you deny looking at the the bad shit, you do yourself a disservice because you're gonna fall into the same traps that yeah. those people that went down that dark road did. And like you said, I mean, touching to those those cultural touchstones, good or bad, yeah, needs to to happen more than they are in this century. So. Yeah. Um, the extra little bit I would add to that is 
also look at everyone's history yep. because you can learn so much of other people hearing about their history and because like i think that's one of the, the things with it is if you're focused on the good parts of your history and then you hear of someone else's history and discover that you had bad parts of your history you, if you don't know those histories you're not going to be able to defend but if you that's know that your your history did have everybody's history had its dark times everyone's but without understanding them you will not be able to understand someone else and i think learning all history i mean it's, it's a lot of history but at least being able to understand that someone might be upset in a certain thing because happened just because you didn't read about it or you deny it doesn't mean it did not happen Facts. and i think that that is something that is, is just how important history is in learning it there there's a saying and it holds true to this day those who fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat it yeah completely so, agree all right man i think that's our time i think that was a great happy ending section i appreciate it what we're gonna do now for those of you that are sticking around we're gonna say we're gonna sign off we're gonna shill our shit we're gonna end this stream on my channel so that i can log it as a vlog and then run it as a rerun later and then I'm going to jump back on for like another two hours, probably play League of Legends or just bullshit or whatever, um, and just finish out the night. I appreciate everybody who came in. I appreciate everybody who shared their opinions with us, their thoughts, their comments. Yes, we addressed them either in chat or we addressed them in, and whatnot. This is our first episode. Please feel free to get at us on Twitter. Tell us your feedback. Let us know what you like, what you didn't like, what you think worked, what didn't work um but be constructive because if you're just gonna troll we ain't gonna pay attention to your ass because yeah don't just don't shit care. all over it because yeah. if you shit all over it you're just gonna have an angry grunt scotsman that's just gonna commit you that's and you it. have a pissed off gray-haired white boy and you don't want that <laughs> so uh chris tell them who you are where they can find you and what you got coming up yeah uh, well as i'm um, chris um you can hopefully soon find me on twitch myself uh, with these podcasts and stuff like that um, you can find me on uh, twitter which is at chrissyc90 um, and that's kind of the only place where i kind of hang around so that's not true um, you're in you're in star wars baby that's coming back next week oh well i will be in star wars you'll find me on docs streams quite often um, in yeah boy and different roles and trying to get involved in uh ttrpg even though i'm still learning the roads you're fine you're doing great uh yeah but definitely follow chris on twitter follow him on his twitch channel he he's just starting out on the journey uh we're gonna get him set up we'll get it we'll get his shit rocking uh follow him for future streams he'll be he'll be hosting the podcast on his channel as much as i so if you want to bounce between the two channels feel free um chris is a good dude i'm i'm so glad to have met him the podcast was his idea. I'm so glad he brought it to me as something he feels that we had a good chemistry. And I've really enjoyed our chemistry and our friendship so far. And it means a lot that you kind of brought me in on this. So thank you for that, Chris. No, definitely. Um, I am who I am. I'm Dax Ryan. You can find me four, five, six, seven nights a week sometimes right here. Uh, mostly seven to midnight. Uh, sometimes I'm early. Sometimes I'm late. Sometimes I, I am what I am. 
uh follow me on the twitter at docs ryan because that's where you're going to get the information i i'm pretty good at tweeting out if i'm not going to stream i always do a going live stream so you know what we're doing for that night whether we stick to that plan (laughs) but at least i give you a shot so we appreciate you being here the podcast airs every monday night seven central there will be uh sunday morning episodes to kind of put it easier on chris and when we do incorporate guests we do have guests lined up from the uk from other parts of the world so we will accommodate them by maybe going live on a sunday morning to make it easier for those guests and to make it easier for chris though we will make sure it is rerun in the evening on a monday night or uh later after my streams on monday night so you will have the podcast on monday nights even if we do a sunday show and in the next couple like in the next week or so i'm gonna download the video and strip the audio out so that you can then download the audio version of the podcast from a google drive that we're gonna set up and that will blow out um if you want the google drive link uh dm us on twitch or twitter we'll shoot you the link because uh, i don't want to blast it out on twitter like right now we kind of want to do word of mouth and then once we get hosted on like spotify or or apple Podcasts or wherever we get that set up down the road we'll shoot those links out so i just want to thank chris for for being here and, being, and making a hell of good points tonight uh sharing some uh interesting perspective and you guys for showing up and paying attention we're gonna end the stream i will be back in about 10 minutes i'm gonna Go upstairs, get something to drink, because I finished my mean. If you could probably tell, I'm a little, ooh, yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> and then we'll probably play games for another hour or two. Then I gotta hit the rack. So, Chris, say goodbye. Yeah, thanks everybody for coming, showing support, and Docs. Thanks to you for agreeing to come on and try and wrangle whatever this is. <laughs> hey, bro, you're not hard to wrangle, bro. You're smart, dude. You're eloquent in your own Scottish way. And, you know, you, you make good points, man. I think we got good chemistry. Uh, you've got a perspective that I appreciate and I respect, and it's different from mine. And I think if we just keep doing what we're doing, this is going to be something I look forward to definitely next week. Yeah, definitely. All right, yeah, everybody. Thanks for coming, everybody. We're out. Have a good night.